What's going on, everybody? Cali Death Podcast back once again, episode 108. As always, I'm your host, Anthony, and I am joined by two resident homies right now. We'll have a third resident homie very, very shortly. He actually got off work early. So we got Casey and Joel with me tonight. What's going on, dudes? What up? Hi. Hi. We'll see uh, Joseph the Professor very shortly. And tonight we are joined by the very talented Alex Weber. What's going on, Alex? Hey, what's up, dudes? Hey, nice to see you, dude. Nice to meet you. Glad to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks um, for having me. It's definitely cool to be a part of this because especially recently, you guys have had a ton of really killer guests and a bunch of my friends. Like I watched the one you guys did with Danny uh, oh, yeah. and Max's one. And uh, yeah, so it's definitely cool to be here. Yeah, okay. dude. I'm, we're, uh, I like to think that we have our finger on the pulse of all the sick motherfuckers that are in this industry and we'd like to talk to all of them, dude. Well, hey, killer. I appreciate being amongst those. Hell yeah, dude. No okay. doubt. You've been on our radar for a while, dude. You know, but your uh, roster, your your uh, resume is quite a resume, dude. And uh, and I've listened to uh, Sven Sven Gali. Is that mm-hmm. how, how you say it? Yep. Re- that was because I, I was familiar with all the other bands that were on the uh, flyer, but that was one that I hadn't listened to. And very impressive, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a newer project of my own stuff. So, like, I wrote all the music. I'm doing the vocals on all of that. So it kind of was, it's sort of more of a side project and a means of using music that I had written that didn't get used for other projects or just other music that I had laying around that I liked enough to release and didn't want to just keep it as, like, guitar profiles on my computer, you know? Sick, dude. Yeah, no, it's definitely got a unique feel to it. There's there's uh, familiarities of, of uh, certain genres and bands at times mm-hmm. when listening to it, just like pretty much everything else. But yeah, how would you that- describe it? Because I, I had to work. I just like ran here from work and didn't get a chance. Say how would I would describe it? Yeah, the style of it. It's I mean, it's kind of like exists music in a way. I mean, because obviously, you know, we're all Max and I are kind of coming from similar places musically. But Svengali might be like a little bit more death metal in certain moments it's not like obviously all death metal and it's not like it's that much heavier but there are certain moments where i guess the music gets a little darker at times okay Um, even though exist music gets kind of dark too i mean it's so it's it's in that ballpark you know to save a really long-winded unnecessary description of something it's kind of basically sort of similar to that Okay, so it's kind of like a thrashy, shreddy, deathy. It's, no, I wouldn't say thrash at the top. I would say prog, definitely death. It's got some genty elements to it at times. Mm-hmm. Lots yeah. of busy bass playing. For odd, sure, odd meter shit. Fuck yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just like you know, different dynamics and ebbs and flows. Different kind of goes to different zones. It's not all you know, sort of one thing a lot. Um. So yeah, it's basically kind of just like prog metal, you know. Oh yeah, like some of some of these like descriptions of uh, certain genres just get so long. Sometimes I just right. don't really care. So I'm like, yeah, it's just prog metal. Right. It does yeah. get to a point where it's just like, hey, dude, just fucking go listen to it. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I don't That's need why to. I always give love you the term this prog. much of a. Prog is such like a whatever. It's like it's pro. It's like it's talented. Like it's like hard work yeah. music, and it could do like you know, prog means throw like i've talked about a million times like throw like you know in eastern indian music and throw like a little you know like that could be prog too like everything is 
falls under the prog so umbrella. Many people are pulling from so many different styles of music now that like it's kind of coming from all over the place and these single word descriptions for stuff. It just kind of doesn't always make sense. Like it's kind of the same thing in jazz in a way, you know, like a lot of times people will just call something jazz because it has a saxophone in it, you know, where it's yeah. like, it's not really totally jazz. Sure. Maybe there's improvised parts in it. Maybe it's improvising music, but it's not really like jazz on the surface is like a lot of people might see. It. Right. It could have, you know so many different commonalities because instruments can be commonalities um uh, attitudes and even like rules and styles can be commonalities but really is it jazz music that's the you know some people have very like kind of strict definitions of what certain things are you know which obviously can you know get to a detriment at a certain point you know because who are you to say what something kind of is and isn't but there are some you know more strong opinions about like oh that's jazz and that's not or oh that's prog metal and oh that's not um you know like with exist not like this is a benchmark that we were trying to achieve but like we're not on metal archives and have been denied multiple times by people trying to upload us. And basically it's come down to like exist, like being too gent or something. Mm. And it's like, really? Like, I don't know if I would, I'd, I'd look at it like that or call it that, or just we're like too weird or something. Um, Crazy. But uh, weird. yeah. So sometimes it's like, you know, certain people's opinions about what something is. It's just like, it kind of doesn't matter at the end of the day. That's strange because it's like gent is a subgenre that was born from the from metal yeah how could it not be included in metal you yeah know? exactly or like they've, they've said that we're not metal enough where it's like well if you listen to our music like shit gets heavy we've got blast beats we've got growling it gets dark like what so you're not well, on metal archives huh that's, that's metal, metal yeah, archives. It's not like i care that much it's not like i'm crying every night in bed like, well oh, i know but it seems like they have so many bands on there it's like such a you know seems kind of diverse i thought i mean well, Sengali like... is on there one of my other side projects wait which basically is like exist it was another project of one of our friends uh charlie iran um that uh got re- the album got released on the artisan era about like a year ago or something that's on there and that's like way more gentsy than exists so it's just it's kind of silly and stupid and again not something i really care that much Who? about but who's the main dude there like i don't i've never don't known know. anyone that works on that site i just know that it like i'll click my name like how the fuck do they know that <laughs> you know like oh it's weird things... yeah how... it's weird yeah I, and i and i think it's it's like uh wikipedia in a way where it's like public entries like people will other people will add it and then i guess okay the, the admins um check on it i'm assuming it's like that unless there's just some like you know neckbeard guy just it's like all, all day. day long like literally <laughs> every corner of the metal world yeah. it's like <laughs> uh joel horner bass player odious mortem severed savior all realm and avid casey uh kansas city chiefs fan you know that dude it's he's like gotta be my profiles dude Mm-hmm. it's crazy it's crazy or like yeah. even like your birthdays like sometimes like my birthday is on metal archives which is like you would have had to go to like the deep about information on my Facebook page to figure that out. Cause I don't oh. like, it's not like it's not public knowledge, but it's not something I like talk about all the time. So but it is kind of, it's kind of cool to know that there's uh, the nerdy 
aspect of metal to where there's enough dudes that would want to keep it alive like that like sure oh, yeah. I, I think if we if we move out into something else which by the way battleforgecoffee.com if you uh <laughs> if Battle you really want some coffee. Coffee. yes sir you oh, got he's missed, he's, he missed his he missed his he uh, missed our window to say oh, some shit i was about to say i see the banner scrolling across it right now <laughs> <laughs> there's the uh product plug <laughs> so yeah, that dude, that's the homies dude. Or what, what no it's it? not ours it's uh actually our our brothers in deeds of flesh they started the company oh, sick yeah and they've been doing it for a while and uh we've always been plugging it up top always uh cali death podcast big cartel.com which actually uh are we doing that pre-order is it up and ready to go or i thought we said oh, we were gonna yeah, do it yeah <laughs> <laughs> we no, said it was gonna be up and ready to go for this episode. We'll talk to I'll talk to the professor about it for after. Sure, yeah. I've been, I, I guess we should land. have had a meeting earlier this week or something about it, but whatever. It's oh, all good. Very <laughs> soon there will be pre-orders for a full color new design. If you guys see the episode 100 the thumbnail for that episode is going to be a t-shirt t-shirt design, and then we're gonna bring back the OG logos swapping it from the left chest to the right chest for you guitar players and uh <laughs> the strap is getting... guitar players <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah we should have both options or you right. should have them on both both <laughs> just both both sides <laughs> <laughs> all over the shirt double up dude <laughs> that's hilarious dude that would be so funny if you well, what's that, company is that shirt for i can't you know uh... a logo Double oh, I good. actually now more thinking about it, I like this double chested logo <laughs> idea, dude. I do. <laughs> it's not they, a bad idea. Dude. Tons of them. It's different. <laughs> yeah. Gets people to look twice. That's right. All right. And uh actually for you, bro, Alex, uh, you plug away some stuff real quick before we get back into it. Um, what do I plug? Um, well, I mean, exist is, exist is, uh, finishing up a new album. So, I mean, we're kind of sort of done the recording process in a way we're finishing up a lot of the final elements of it, but that release probably won't happen until later. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are existing <laughs> whether or not it's always online or in public, you know, in people's view, we definitely are still existing. Uh, but that album probably won't get released until later next year. Cause you know, the lead time that record labels need now is kind of it kind of sucks because like our label needs like nine months for before release so and i know that's not you know uncommon like a lot of other labels are doing that of vinyl now. or something i'm assuming it's probably still vinyl delays I think it is too um and you know which obviously that you want that for the release so it totally makes sense but it's still it kind of sucks to have something finished and then have to sit on it for a while um but, you know, we have a Bandcamp page um, that you can go to on my own Instagram page. I have one of those link trees that you can find links for basically everything for all the different Bandcamp pages that we have that we're selling merch through. Um, but I think it's mostly just that, like we don't have a, like a big cartel page or, you know, a night shift merch page or anything like that. So I think it's mostly all just coming individually from us or from our own uh, Bandcamps. I have a question for you. Are you teaching lessons? I do, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, how do you do that? Because I know that's like, we always skip over that, and that's how a lot of these musicians Definitely make a, actual uh, money. <laughs> uh, it can be pretty... <laughs> I, mean, I, money. Was, I had a lesson like an hour before this podcast. 
Okay. Um, so how did they get yeah. hold of you for that? Uh, mostly just through my own personal pages, just through messaging. I have a website, alexwebermusic.com, um, that you can also contact me through, but it's probably just as direct to just go to my Instagram or Facebook page because I'm doing stuff on it all the time. Oh, um, fuck. I tagged the wrong person. Did you tag Alex Webster? No, I did Adam Weber. Oh, God <laughs> dude, I've gotten so many people like tagging me with like oh, pictures that they took with Alex Webster on a you know a tour or beating him at a show, and it's like seriously. And but but the the one thing I'll give him on that is for a while I did realize that our IG handles were basically the same. His yeah, yeah. Was Alex Webster base, mine was Alex Weber base. Right. So if you're, like Jeez, going through really off, you're just missing the st- Yeah, exactly. So if like if you don't like look at the middle of the word, like I can't remember what the term for that is but it's like a mental thing where we can read text that like some of the inner letters are twisted around but yeah as long as the first and last letter are correct our brain kind of our brain just puts it it. together yeah Yeah, i I think one time that's called but um so you know sure i can see how some people do that especially if it's quick so i ended up like changing my ig handle which like alex underscore weber underscore base just to space it out a little bit more you know obviously there's still going to be people that still think i'm alex webster because that's never going to stop ever um you an opportunity to be like but i am a bass player I mean, yeah yeah and, and we've played with some of the same people too so it gets even more confusing like with playing with jeff loomis or uh you know things like that it like sure i get the confusion but dude, you know, i've had people come up to my face thinking i was alex webster (laughs) (laughs) like so that just shows you don't know what he looks like either and all like are you saying i'm like 50 because i don't know how old alex is but i'm sure he's like 50 they gotta be someone new to to metal or getting into a camel or something yeah yeah like i remember there was one malignancy show some dude comes up to me who he didn't seem like he was like super drunk or you know like out in space he's like dude I loved you been blotted science back in the day, man. So good. And I'm like, dude, what? Like I sure. Okay. I'm a white guy with long hair and facial hair, but we like, don't look anything alike. And he's like 20 years older than me. Right. That'd be so funny. If Jarzenbeck was like, if Alex Webster couldn't do it, he didn't like hits you up. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> the confusion that that, uh, would, uh, create. Alex could definitely pull it off though. That would, definitely, that would be playing. super fun music to play. Oh, yeah. it should be I Alex definitely. Webster for Halloween, dude. <laughs> that could be one of the specter bases i don't know how i would dress really any differently maybe like like gray my hair a little you bit have to yeah. curl it right yeah 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 the full beard curl. i think it's got the full beard good i can't man i can't do the full beard like this is all i get it gets all patchy on the sides and just yeah, me too i have a terrible beard but i could just like do like a cardboard cutout of his face and just wear it <laughs> there mask. you go play one of his like specters with blood on it you know um, <laughs> Or just like put paint on one of my bases. Hey, if if there's a will, there's a way I can make it happen. <laughs> I don't know if I want to play into that though, because it does get really annoying. Where it's like, come on, man, just read. Like it's, I'm not him. Like I, I get it. Right. Just read. Yeah. Don't make it worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and now people are also thinking I'm Yarun, um, through like doing the obscure stuff. Because even though live, Stefan had announced my name. You know, okay, so sure, you know, maybe he, like over on the Europe tour that we just did, maybe there's people in the audience that don't really speak English, but Alex Webster doesn't sound anything like Jeroen Paul Thessaly at all. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, even yeah. like people reviewing some of those concerts still thought I was Jeroen. So it's Jesus. just like, I like first people thought I was Alex Webster, now people thought I was Jeroen, and you know, I don't know who the next person's going to be, but 
don't know. <laughs> I don't really care about it that much, but it's more just like, man, do people not read at all? Yeah. Yeah. You, know, you look at something for literally two seconds, like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. It, it got me, though, by the way. I remember, I think, I forget exactly how, like, we came in contact online, but it was either you added me or I added you from, like, a something that was like, oh, check this person out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Alex Webster? Fuck yeah. And I like, I so like you're oh, shit. one of the ones. This was years ago, though, so I'm like, I guess, you know, I'm one of the old school. I Alex never had Weber, the Alex Webster, Webster thing. Hookups. I always had the Adam Weber thing, because I've known Adam about Adam and been friends with Adam for a long time. That's that what I tagged. In the back of my mind, yeah, I know. When you said that, I giggled because in the back of my mind today, I was like, I can't say Adam Weber. I can't say Adam Weber. <laughs> I always fuck up people's names. And yeah, who does he play play with? Is it? Do you play with Embryonic or something back in the day? Or yeah, he's okay. Yeah, okay, I think okay. He still does. Okay, maybe yeah, I, don't know. I don't know. I know they have a new guitar player. I know, so I don't think he's in the band anymore. But I don't know. But he was found Adam Jarvis. I didn't know an Adam Weber. <laughs> oh well, man. Yeah, dude. Let's uh, let's start. Joel, on your... you thought you thought Alex Webster added you the when that happened. Oh yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> like, what, we were we talked about this before. Like back in the MySpace mm-hmm. days, we had Alex Webster put. I'm like I'm like making sure I say it right now. Yeah. Alex <laughs> Webster put um Odious on the top whatever MySpace thing. And we were oh like, yeah, I remember we're that. Millionaires and... now. Like we made like a million dollars that day. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that is that is definitely some like uh street cred points when fucking alex upster put us on the top five he, for you youngins on, who never top was on eight. it was it top eight sorry mm-hmm. yeah, yep. yeah so you'd have a top eight on your page you can you can actually make your top eight can you do your can you do that on facebook or is it just random so. yeah i don't think so no. i think yeah. sometimes maybe the people that pop up in the pictures are maybe the ones that interact with you the most like whether you comment on them a lot or they comment on you or they stalk mm. you whatever it is um i think it sometimes pops up like that but i don't think you can customize it yeah that was like your badge of honor dude like these are all these are my top eight dude these are the ones i want everybody else to see that i'm friends with (laughs) Mm -hmm. and alex put odious on there and we're like what dude wouldn't that be weird when you like put someone in your top eight like a friend or something and and they didn't return the favor you're like fuck you dude in a week week, you're gone dude you're like dude but you're nine dude it's fine dude (laughs) (laughs) you're my top nine Yeah, if there was more, man, you'd be you'd be the ninth one. It'd be right after that. Come on, dude. Yeah. Thought that counts. Exactly. Exactly. It is crazy that it's been like maybe almost fifteen years since MySpace has been like an active thing. I tried to I, go on it recently. I couldn't it, even figure it, it out. But it's weird it's that like the there. servers still exist. Like you, like yeah. the, the website you can still go to. Like if some of my old band pages from high school are still up. Yeah. But like you can't like see any of the pictures because probably the that part of the server is gone. Yeah. Or, like the music might not play, but like it's still there. So it's it's this weird like ghost mall kind of thing, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, totally. these dying malls from the nineties that like have like one guy cleaning the floor in some weird dollar store at the end with you know like some crypt keeper guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's like it's like the mall in uh, Tim and Eric's billion dollar movie, dude. They go to uh-huh. they sit. Will Ferrell puts a. Co- a commercial out come save my mall we'll give you a billion dollars or some shit like that yeah and then tim and eric are taking a leak at the stall and they're like oh dude let's, let's just go uh 
run this mall and you get there and there's squatters there's like a wolf living in the mall <laughs> yeah, yeah, <exactly. laughs> <laughs> that everybody has to like protect themselves from overnight and shit yeah mm-hmm. but there's still a couple of stores that are open dude it's weird I, i'm assuming it's probably the same for you guys out there but like there are a lot of those type of malls in maryland because there's a lot of suburban areas around here and man some of them are weird like there was this one that used to be in frederick that i remember the last time like max and i went there like kind of at one point before it was about to close and it really was that like the floor had like a ripple in it just because like people hadn't been taking care of it so it like the tiles were coming up like there was maybe two stores in the whole thing it was just it was really strange how it was even still open in any capacity it's right. crazy how like time takes over places like that you know like with, mm-hmm. if it's not being maintained it's just it looks like yeah it's fucking solid floors it's got a fountain it's got all this thing and then like you don't take care of it for 10 years and like shit's like bubbling <laughs> up and just exploding like, yeah, it's just, dude. that's like, like that that show uh life after humans mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> If we just left it alone, how long would it take for Earth to reclaim everything? Yeah, and yeah, uh, that's a trip. That's, I don't, I don't know what the 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 time frame for like the Golden Gate Bridge to crumble, but it's not that long, dude. No, it really is not that long. Taking over and like the main supports of it, give it, it'll just fall pretty fast. Yeah, after not having the maintenance that it gets every single year, dude, it's done. Yeah, Jesus. All yeah, right, dude. Anyways. So fucking living life, dude. Isn't it awesome? It's uh, great. It's great. <laughs> Speaking of life, let's talk about yours, dude. Let's go back in time a little bit. Let's, Day uh, one. <laughs> it, it, let's get that early memory of uh, your connection with music, dude. Like, tell us well, about so it. So both of my parents were professional musicians. Um, so I've been around it my entire life like my dad was a percussionist and a drummer that uh mostly did classical music and musical theater like he went to uh this conservatory in ohio called oberlin which is kind of one of the you know especially at the time like in the 60s because my dad's i think he's like 70 just to cut you off too quick but if you just start off with like my dad um he played bass in cannibal corpse yeah that would be uh yeah no thank you too soon anyways yeah too soon i I named my son the exact same name as me just make (laughs) um no i don't have any connections like that um but yeah so he went to that conservatory which at the time was like one of the big classical conservatories in the country and so he did that and then my mom was a singer and an actress um and they Mm. met doing these uh, musical theater tours all across the country. So they've done a lot of touring themselves. Um, and Mainly uh, just theater acting for your mom? Basically, yeah, it's all theater stuff. So like my mom was a singer and an actress on stage and my dad was playing in the pit. And uh, so they've played every state other than Montana, you know, because like with a lot of those tours, they're going everywhere. You know, they'll like go to colleges and really weird places or go to towns and cities that metal tours don't really ever go to you know like i'm mm-hmm. never really ex- ever expecting to play a gig like in alabama you know i know it happens sometimes but like that or like arkansas most of the time you're just skipping over a state like that whereas they've played literally everywhere um in wow. the state. um so yeah they did that for a while and then i came along and fucked it up and they got you know like real people jobs um but uh i have been surrounded by music my whole life. So my earliest memories were pretty much of just like my dad practicing, you know, like, cause he Mm -hmm. played uh, a lot of uh, vibraphone 
and that was one of the instruments that he kept at the house. Like his main what's a vibraphone? It's like a xylophone, but it has um these spinning discs inside of each of the I think they're called bells or tubes that base it it almost sounds like a Hammond organ in a way. It like creates this like wow 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 kind oh. of sound. Um I've so, always heard the name vibraphone, but I never knew what it was. Yeah, so it, it looks like a lot of the percussion instruments look kind of the same. Like xylophone and vibraphone are very similar, but vibraphone has these little spinning discs inside of the tubes that create this kind of different sound. And so a lot of uh, guys, especially in jazz, use vibraphone more just because it has that kind of more uh, sort of, for lack of a better description, more interesting kind of sound. There you go. Tech, it's got more texture. Yeah, exactly. It just had. Yeah, that's an expensive one too. Um, and it, um, it makes sense when you when you're talking about how it works too, because it's Joel just vibration, <laughs> vibraphone, vibra. It's causing vibrations inside. Yeah, I maybe that's where the name came from. I don't. I don't know. But so either way, my my earliest memories of were it him creates vibes. <laughs> um, <laughs> of just him practicing in the basement. And I remember it kind of putting me in these moods that like, it wasn't something I was necessarily aware of, but I, it's, it was almost like watching a movie in a way where I wasn't like actively thinking about it, but like when I'd be playing with my toys or something, it would like kind of put me in this like different kind of headspace where, you know, I feel whatever I might've been feeling as like a three-year-old kid, but like, it just mm -hmm. kind of did something to me. Um, yeah. that I might've, that at the time I wasn't really aware of, but I still have like a, a memory of <clears throat> those things happening, those feelings and, uh, just constantly being around that. Like I would go to some of his, like he would play in churches a lot. So I'd be, I'd go to some of these like concerts where he'd be playing. He also played timpani. So like his main things were timpani and, uh, xylophone or sorry, vibraphone mm -hmm. and, nice. uh, so, you know, I'd be going to some of these concerts that he would be performing and just kind of like sitting, like hiding behind the stage somewhere, like kind of sitting near the like the big organ box in some of these churches. So it was really cool, like sitting under right underneath one of those big organs when they're going off, just because you don't realize how loud those things actually are until you're yeah. sitting right next to it because it's built yeah. to fill up an entire church. So obviously it's going to be fucking loud. Weekend yeah. at Timpanies. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And, uh, you know, so like always just being around that stuff my whole life, um, I guess maybe, you know, planted the seed for that. I don't know. My parents never forced me into music, though, which I kind of appreciate because like I, I know a bunch of people that like their parents like made them take piano lessons at the age of two and like really started cracking the whip at like, <laughs> really early age. Oh, dude, no, seriously. It, I, have, I have friends that don't remember not playing piano Jesus. yeah like there's this whole thing uh it, it's most i think it's pretty much only in classical music called the suzuki method oh yeah um, yeah that sure. uh you know basically is kind of geared towards getting people into music at a really early age just because of like what's happening in our brains at an early development age. stuff yeah right. yeah because we're more like sponge like at that age so things can develop faster if you're brought in and you know at an early age but Sometimes I feel like people fuck that up and try to like ask too much of a little kid. Like a six-year-old kid's not going to want to sit there grinding with a metronome for like 
three hours. It's just not going to work. Or mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like having these kids do this like real regimented kind of thing all the time with music that they don't really have a real connection with in a way, you know, like, in a, like a lot of these piano lessons, you might either play etudes or having to play it's classical music or whatever it is, but it's not like music you were listening to. I would, I would, I would argue though, like the young ages that kids wouldn't want to do that at the connection can't really happen because they haven't fully developed uh, possible enough right. to make the connection that you're talking about, you know? So it'll always sound boring because they haven't yet made that full connection with something, some, piece of music that they yeah. deeply fall in love with yeah they didn't hear like they didn't oh, this yeah. album came on i needed to do that that's like oh no they just did that and now they're like yeah. no they're doing yeah. that you know yep. scholastically almost not like, like absolutely yeah like art should never be forced like or like mandatory you know or well, yeah you should like, kind of sought after you know you should want to do it like, like for, for your naturally. own drive. yeah one thing i've always kind of tried to do with my students especially maybe the younger ones or ones that are more beginner is try to sneak certain like topics or skills or whatever into music that they like like yeah. you know, play certain songs that they're like already relatable in. yeah exactly that's more relatable rather than just like giving them these like method book exercises that just like make you feel like you're in math class or something mm -hmm. um, totally because again i mean that's how all of us got to where we are in music is just like genuinely loving the thing that we're doing and wanting to just go after it, you know, and I'm sure like, I don't know if you guys have ever taken private lessons at all, but like, you know, I've had teachers that were basically just like regurgitating stuff at me that weren't trying to like personalize things or weren't also just trying to like develop my just overall love of music. Oh, me too. Yeah. There's been literally like the first day, day one, it's like, Oh, here's the major scale. Here's these core. I'm like, um i quit like after the second class i think and then um come to find a teacher that was like hey here's how to play slayer and i'm like okay yeah. we can start there <laughs> <laughs> like i can get like immediate results and be like okay well i'm jamming with it and then and then i'll be like where does this come from what in the slayer you know music theory probably isn't too, too sure. much into slayer but uh but like still like you can know like where, how do we create stuff or blah, blah blah i'll like nerd out on how it you know how to make that shit rather than like yeah. how to just play like what sounds good you know yeah, you can still analyze. I mean, sure, it's probably most of it's atonal and not really going by any type of rules at all. But you can still kind of talk about what a riff is doing and, you know, just get to know like what the notes of the fretboard are and just various things like that while you're still teaching them or working on stuff. Yeah, that's smart. Like, yeah, I've already. Uh... Oh, Casey, were you going to say something? Sorry. I was going to say, you're saying it, it, it would be rad to analyze like Slayer solos and just be like, it's like this like atonal like chromatic like thing with like this you know like, it's like you know like yeah, I mean you like, could do that with defeated uh, sanity. I don't think you could really do that with Slayer. But with Slayer, yeah. kind of like there's no point to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's like he's just doing this really quick on no. this one area. Not, and then, those guys Slayer sure, specifically. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they weren't thinking like that at all. Like. There's this, this is completely kind of veering off of the go for it, dude. We're already fucking veered off. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, that uh, there's this jazz pianist named Bill Evans who was around, you know, back oh, in the of course. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so yeah. one of the famous jazz pianists. There yeah. was somebody who made this transcription, I don't remember what tune it was, but of just like his performance on this one tune. And it was so precise 
to the point where if you just put it into a computer, it what it would regurgitate would sound exactly like how Bill played it. But it was a lot of these really like stupid rhythms, like 128th note rhythms or these weird tuplets and things that were basically just trying to compensate for like him playing slightly in front of the beat or behind the yeah, beat yeah, or sure. something that like was more organic than that. Cause it's like, dude, the guy was not thinking about that. He wasn't thinking in that way. It's just, that's how it came out. So it's like, sure. I guess it's cool that you figured that out, but what's the point? Like, that was actually kind of a cool well, thing that I've taught about it before a little, I talked about it a little bit, but with uh, talking to Matt Satello about writing solos, he was mm-hmm. like, he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. <laughs> like he has no idea what the fuck he's doing, but he's just like, it sounds good. He's all, if I, need some inspiration or something i'll look into like maybe uh, some scales and stuff and do that but like i'll just this sounds good in this position over this riff yeah and i don't know what the fuck it is but like people he's, he said basically for the style of music that he wants he's like i can use theory as a tool but it's not where i'm writing from you know sure yeah it might help you get to a certain option faster where if you hear something in your head yeah you're like, oh, okay well that's the lydian scale or that's the altered scale whatever it is it can just get you there faster rather than like, okay, I'm going to write this song that uses the altered scale, the Lydian dominant and the blah, blah, you know, rather than, you know, just kind of like plugging stuff into a computer, you know, you're using your ears more than anything. Definitely. So even if you don't know theory, what it looks like on paper, a lot of people still like naturally hear it. They hear like, it. I'm yeah. Yeah. I'm sure Matt, like yeah. hear what some of these chords and scales would sound like and know like, Oh, that's that chord. I don't know what the name of it is, but that's what that, is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's actually been my biggest problem just in yeah. work and profession and stuff doing like working with tech shit like i know how to do it but like how to explain it um sure. yeah. like i i you know the my boss and stuff is so technical how he explains things that i'm like oh that's a great way to put it like i just thought you just did this thing and then you type this thing and you're done he's mm-hmm. like no you're like the way he explains it so i guess like, scholastic again you know just very like technical and to the point where i'm like that's perfect i could never have done that but i know how to do the thing but i could never have put it in terms that really would make sense well that's one of the challenges with teaching too just because like you might have your own way of understanding like alan holdsworth for instance had like these weird ways that he would think about like scales and chords and rhythms and whatever that made sense to him but it's not like they weren't symbols or ways of uh functioning that like other people kind of widely use so explaining it in that way just wouldn't really do anything for Mm -hmm. people um but yeah you kind of have to have like a really deep understanding of something to be able to explain it to somebody really clearly just because like you know like i said you we all kind of have our own ways of just naturally understanding something that we might not be able to fully you know talk about and certain. there's different yeah there's different learning styles of every sure. human that's the i mean talking to a lot of teachers and stuff that are struggling with certain people and some people are excelling but and once you start they started learning that there's different ways that people learn stuff and that people take information differently um some people will take it in through a book and some people will take it in like they need to put their hands on it mm-hmm. and some people you know and they can apply it right away or there's you know, people that just kind of understand it kind of already and they make you feel dumb in class like shit. You already get, you already get it. <laughs> I am so behind. Like, I have no idea what's going on, you know? Yeah, I don't envy teachers that have to deal with all yeah, that it's stuff. Tough. It's that's tough. That's 
it's got to be brutal. Like all, like I've, I used to teach at a college. Oh, different angle now. Jesus, I know. Um, <laughs> musical windows, whatever. That's how it happens every fucking Thursday. Like, dude. Yeah. Just, <laughs> um, like I used to teach at a college around here, um, but it was all just private lessons. Like I never taught classes. Like they tried to get me to teach some classes at a certain point, but I ended up turning it down because the class they wanted me to teach was really kind of stupid. Like mm-hmm. it was this, uh, so I was teaching at this like smaller liberal arts college. Um, and so their music program wasn't that big and didn't have that much going on, but they had enough that, you know, they paid me and it was easy. They were trying to get me to teach this class that basically, I don't remember what like the name of the class of class was, but it was even like, even that was like kind of dumb, but basically it was like teaching you how to make a rock band. <laughs> and it was like, why, why are we doing this in, college i know right (laughs) but it like everything about it to me just seems so antithetical to like what actually like making a band is actually like you know and like how we all did it like when we were like 12 and 13 where we just wanted to like get in a basement just do whatever the fuck we wanted to do rather than okay well you gotta do it this way and then it almost seems like like uh how to get discovered by one of those managers that discovered like nsync or something it was (laughs) really kind of silly um and then also, you know, having to like actually be teaching classes like that would mean I wouldn't really be able to tour as much, you know, mm-hmm. just because if I'm gone even for a month, which isn't that long in the grand scheme of touring, that's a big chunk of the semester already. So like if I'm just teaching private lessons, I can scoot out of that a lot easier. Like there was that's a couple, a hard- I just didn't even tell them I was leaving. I just that's like, the hardest well, part about tour. Tour just comes at random. It's like, oh, it's randomly like during finals, and then that's it. Like, dude, <laughs> tell me about it. That led the last obscure tour I did in Europe. I had three days' notice for that. Jesus. Yeah. So my life completely changed around in the course of a weekend. So it, I mean, that's kind of a a freak situation, and I doubt that will probably happen again in that same kind of way. But yeah, exactly. They can just completely pop out of nowhere. Definitely. So I mean, back on the the so yeah. you're jamming and stuff. Well, uh, I was gonna, I was gonna in bring... general, just generally jamming, and then. Well, no, we're we're not even to jamming yet. We're still talking about me being a kid. We, yeah, we, <laughs> uh, my my next question that I've been waiting to say. Well, not question, but statement is uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on with you talking about your parents was the fact that they didn't push it on you. Oh yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. actually is uh something that i think that your parents were cognizant of as musicians they probably already ran into um you know resistance from maybe their parents when they wanted to be artists and their parents didn't want them to and and so i think that them being performers and artists from the beginning was a good um indicated that you would grow up to be the dude that you are today because yes they let you naturally fall into your element and not pushed you in any direction yeah and it was mostly just because they just knew how hard it was to be a musician you know it's like even if you're really amazing it's not set in stone you know Mm -hmm. like things can just immediately disappear like over the pandemic like so i usually play anywhere from like 150 to 200 gigs a year in 2020 i played maybe 20 and like i was pretty much taking everything that got offered 
even if it was like a little sketchy. Like there were a couple gigs that I did where I was like, all right, well, if somebody has COVID here, we're all fucked. Because like, you know, if you're having a wedding in July of 2020, that obviously means you kind of don't care about what's happening right now. Yeah. Um, so there were lots of my friends that like just didn't take gigs at all, which totally makes sense. But in that year, even with taking everything that I did, I still barely worked at all. So it's like things are not stable. Um, money is not always easy to come by you know sometimes people can screw you on money you know it's just it's not this like secure kind of thing and even if you're really good and you completely devote your life to it it can still fall apart so i think mostly because of that they just didn't want me to they didn't push me into it and let me find it for myself so like i um i remember when i was like six or seven i like had voiced some interest in my dad like wanting to learn how to play drums just because it was there but that didn't really stick that much you know um and uh, when i was in elementary school i started playing saxophone and did that basically until high school which i i liked saxophone and it was cool but it the love wasn't really there in the same Mm -hmm. way my parents would have to tell me to practice saxophone Whereas they would have to tell me to stop practicing bass. Right. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So like I, I did that through high school and like I started playing bass in middle school, but once, once bass came instantly from the set, the second I picked it up, it just felt like I had found some like lost part of myself that like I, you know, knew about, but had never found before. So your dad, oh, hey, what's up, dude? Oh, hey, hey dude. <laughs> Got another oh, dude. person. Classes hey. in session. Professor. You're not here. Casey. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm Joseph. What's up, Alex? <laughs> Yo, what's up, man? Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Joseph is here with us, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I will interrupt. I saw you with Obscura like three, four months ago. Okay. Very um, sick. What are you talking about in Europe or? No, no, no. In Fresno, California. Oh, that that was like earlier this year. That was like nine months ago. That was a while ago. Oh fuck! It was quite a while. I know. Ago, Time's crazy, dude. I, was, time is crazy. I just I remember all these tourists is happening in the summer, but I guess it started even earlier than summer. Yeah. So yeah, that was like the first one of the first tours to happen, really kind of in full. You know, there was a bunch of tours happening around that time, like Cannibal Corpse and Revocation, or I think Nile and Incantation. Uh, yeah, I caught that one too. It was like February. Yeah, February oh. March. Yeah. It was, I mean, it, it sucked for me because there were all these shows that I really wanted to go to that, uh, you know, obviously I couldn't see. Um, and we kind of felt the competition a little bit that like, again, it was great that all of this stuff was happening, but people aren't loaded. And with all these tickets being like 30 to $40 and you're buying money on yeah. merch, you're buying alcohol, parking, gas, whatever, people can't go to every show. So they're going to have to pick and choose and, um, I think the turnouts were still really good for that obscure tour, but it would have been even better if there weren't like six other tours happening. You know what I think was the perfectly timed tour? It was the Archspire Entheos uh, tour because that like almost sold out like the whole tour, but it came like right after. It was right after that first round of tours. It was like in April or something. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That was like the, that was, I mean, it's like when to find the prime time to get back on the road. That was, that was it because that was like, yeah, everyone's like, Oh, it's finally okay to go do the, like there's more of a mass of people that was down to do it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To go out and see shows. And um, we went even Santa Cruz, they played, which last time I saw Archbire in Santa Cruz, they played the tiny stage and there was, 
there was like 50 60 people there and then they play with uh entheos over at the catalyst again they had to upgrade to the main stage which holds like six seven hundred people yeah and that sold out and i was like what the fuck like that was totally like that was the time and i was like oh god metal's back forever it's gonna come and then like the next round of tours come and people are like oh i spent all my money on that tour so uh (laughs) and like they can't like keep it wasn't like a it was basically like a playing bingo just like oh shit this is the right time to do it and they yeah i wonder how purposeful that decision was like if that was a part of the thought process like this is going to be like the the right time to do it because all these other tours are kind of just finishing or if like you just said it was Mm -hmm. a total kind of luck of the draw and they just happened to hit it at this great people are like shows are back like i missed the first big show that came through and this is the second one or third one you know what i mean i have to go yeah yeah the fomo yeah exactly yeah i mean so we brought a uh photographer along with us that's right on on that uh that north that first north american tour and a lot of the reasoning for that specifically was to just show people that hey this is happening again you know especially with uh going into canada because we the show that we played in Ottawa was the first show. Honestly, I think it was the first like bigger tour show to happen in Canada since the pandemic had started. So mm-hmm. like that, the show that we played that in Ottawa, I can't, I think it was the brass monkey, I think oh, yeah, yeah. cup or something um, that the promoter of that show, that was the first show that he had done since the pandemic and that they opened their doors to basically allow live music just over the whole country, like two or three days before we got there. So we just like came in right when they uh, opened things back up again. And people were definitely ready to go like ready yep. to see concerts again. But there were lots of people that <clears throat> didn't buy tickets beforehand because we might have not been able to get into the country, you know, okay. with how COVID testing was at that point um, that like, if, you know, we got turned away at the border, you know, obviously no shows happening. So people didn't want to have to deal with like all the ticket refunds and everything. So the ticket sales weren't looking quite as good until we got into the country. And once we started making all these posts and pictures and videos, then it was like, and it shot up and it was great. Um, But yeah, I think most of the reason of bringing the photographer along with us is to kind of just show people that, Hey, this is happening again. And the world is kind of sort of opened back up. Can I ask? Yeah. Can I ask about that tour? Uh, one or two more questions. Um, I I remember I have a poster of it, which I got yeah. from that Fresno show. I think it says like sponsored by like the Art Council of Germany or something. Okay. Um, is, was there like some like because it's Germany, like Obscura, obviously. So it's like I know that German Germany as a country like supports artists in a way that yeah. we're not familiar with. Was there like like a grant or something that like helps that tour along with? You don't know about that? okay? Not that I know of. I mean, so even with that tour, I was brought in after it was originally booked. So, I mean, that one I had more than like three days notice, but it was still only like a month before that tour started. So I was kind of brought in long after it was booked or any of that stuff was talked about. But so maybe, I don't know. I mean, like you said, a lot of European countries are much better about that. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever played that – venue in uh Nijmegen, netherlands the one with that crazy bus lift that like it's basically this thing mm-hmm. that the tour bus drives onto like the tour bus and trailer it's in this huge loading dock these like arms come down it picks <laughs> up the platform that the bus is around and literally just spins the bus around while you're in it well you i mean i guess you could be in it but they tell you to be in it 
<laughs> just so that the bus driver doesn't have to back it out of the loading dock area. Wow. Like literally it spins an entire fucking tour bus around just to turn it around so the driver can drive back out. I mean, like that lift itself must have been like over a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. That is not happening in any venues here. Like that, and you know most of the money from that is like coming from the government or coming from grants or subsidies or something like that. Um, but to answer your question, I I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I've just I don't know. I mean, yeah, I I figured you wouldn't know everything about the business of that band in particular, but um yeah. I also wanted to just I'm mention just player. it sounded <laughs> hey, your bass live. I mean, mm-hmm. Obscura is just, you know, one of my favorite bands and uh you did more than justice to those parts and your bass came out really clean in the mix live and I was oh, like, holy shit, Alex is sounding amazing on all That's these parts that and I, you know, I used to, you know, play along to those like Cosmogenesis songs and shit, you know, like, and yeah. I was just like, hell yeah, it's so fun to hear these songs live. And yeah, so yeah, it was kind of trippy. It was kind of trippy playing Anti Cosmic Overload for the first time, you know, oh, yeah. how sort of like iconic that song was and sort of the bass parts in that were um, for like the sort of birth of modern tech death in a way. Yeah. You know, or at least how like a lot of like people like call tech death now. But um, I do, I would say that's probably the weakest song on the record, and it just gets better as you go. Oh, like, sure. Yeah. Last couple songs that uh, Christian wrote the title track, I think that song is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. That's a banger. Um, Universe Momentum is always a fun one. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just, you know, I think I, uh, I played a couple shows with you before, I think, or at least um, Las Vegas when you played it with uh, Malignancy a couple years. Oh, sick. The 20, Who, uh, what, what band were you playing for with that? uh to violently vomit oh you were playing with divine oh yeah okay i do remember meeting you now yeah he's sure. got a hat on he's got a hat on yeah um <laughs> he had a hat on a then too. yeah 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 the professor <laughs> yeah dude it's uh i know I've, I've like just i think uh i might have been shy at that point i'm like dude it's alex Weber. he's like the sickest guy ever but it's like i love the bleeding dude it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. you were great in blood science back in the day man <laughs> hell yeah dude um <laughs> I, I might have also been completely fried like just from lack of sleep going mm-hmm. there because like when i flew over there first so my flight left baltimore at like six in the morning so i usually go to bed at like three so it was like i'm just gonna stay up the whole night because like it's kind of it's gonna make me feel worse if i like go to sleep for an hour and then try to wake up and whatever i'll just sleep on the airplane didn't sleep on the airplane at all and yeah, never yeah Any, anytime you plan to sleep on the airplane dude it never no. fucking happens unless you like you know medically induce a yeah. coma it's right, exactly. right. I, mean, I can't sleep sitting up like nope this, you know absolutely um, not so they sh- you know they should have nitrous on airplanes <laughs> <laughs> like dental offices you know like yeah, oxygen and nitrous or something you know? yeah you get like one they already have the nostril. masks for you so you might as well yeah dude. <laughs> right Cool, just oxygen, man. I fucking enjoy this idea, dude. Yeah. Just fucking doing whippets and at thirty-five hundred thousand feet in the air. Dude. Remember, you have to give a whippet you yourself before the kids in the bathroom. So they yeah. say you can't do whippets in the bathroom. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like in first class, you get like twice as much and not nitrous. That's just the other mask that comes down from the ceiling. That's the just, one that's in the yeah. seat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, either way, I didn't sleep at all on that flight and then once you get to vegas it's just sensory overload so you immediately wake up and you know with some of the extra oxygen that gets pumped into casinos you just wake up more and all this stuff and all these people that you're talking to so it's just 
it was kind of crazy. So I didn't go to bed that night until 5 a.m. Vegas time. So that would have been like 8 a.m. for me back mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. So I was up for like 36 hours straight. And uh, most of the time I didn't feel it because we were, you know, our hotel was right on Fremont Street and with all the lights and everything from the LED. Uh, Anything to keep you awake and gambling, dude. Dude, yep. it was insane. Um, but uh, so, yeah, maybe when I met you, I was just completely fried from being awake for 36 hours. too. But <laughs> I mean, that's that's anyway. that was most people at that festival for sure. It's yeah, yeah it's Vegas metal show. You know, I never they were like letting people smoke cigarettes inside and stuff, too. It was like. Oh shit, that doesn't happen anymore except here in Vegas. So yeah, and that was a pretty uh crazy, like hectic show too. Cause I mean, like Roger's mom. Like, I know, I know, I know. The shit that happened like literally right when the doors were about to open. Yeah. Like that happened. So it was, I thought maybe the show was just gonna get canceled or that more You guys really wanted me to ask what's happening in this situation, but I don't know if you guys are wanting to say it on the show. I don't well, know. Well, I said that. I mean, yeah. his his mom his mom died. I mean, that's that. Oh about, shit! Oh yeah. shit! Yeah. yeah. No, um, he made a public post about it, like right as it happened. So okay. Okay. You guys were saying what happened right when the doors open. I'm thinking Roger's mom died in the venue. <laughs> no. <laughs> then oh. I think the show would have gotten canceled. Uh, but that's now crazy. she had, and she had been sick too, so it was. I don't think it was like this completely freak thing but again i i don't totally know the situation either way yeah she, he got the call like right as the doors were about to open oh, so god he was like one of the he was like the main guy organizing all that stuff so it was just like oh dude yeah shit Rough. Um, he played that night and you would have had no idea that anything like that happened you know well yeah. rest in peace roger's mom dude yeah that's tough man i mean what do you do in that situation i mean i mean yeah I guess your, your mom probably was like, "Yep, show must go on," and also your mom's like would be, I mean, if she was, she'd be probably be like, "Yeah, fuck and it, he's have fun and play she's and stuff." Probably in New York because he's from New York, right? Yeah, you're so, not gonna. There's no nothing you can do. Like you've already I got think the Roger's news. Roger's mom was living in Vegas, I think. Like, oh, I think I, oh shit! He had moved out there. I I could be wrong with that, but it didn't seem like it was this cross country thing. Like when I was touring with Jeff Loomis, when we were in Corpus Jesus. Christi, his dad died. Like mm-hmm. when we were on tour and he found out about it, like when we were like setting up during the day and like, so obviously he's like halfway across the country and he still, he just played the show. He got through it. Um, and again, you'd have no idea. You would have had no idea that that had happened to him. Um, That's but, rough, dude. But yeah, then he flew home a couple of days after that was, you know, there for the funeral for a couple of days. So we had to cancel a couple of gigs on that tour, but um yeah, I mean, in, in a lot of cases, you just gotta you just gotta play through it, or just you know. So I was gonna say, I was just gonna say the 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 show must go on mentality. I'm trying to put myself in that situation, and I don't know if I could do it, dude. I mean, remember, yeah. the, remember the the show we played with Odious? There was like literally, I want to mm-hmm. say, I don't know, Anthony, if you were in the band yet, but literally like an hour before mm-hmm. we were supposed to go on. No. I got the call. Yeah, I got the call. Like one of my best friends died. Like, Ooh. like, yeah, just like. Well, yeah. I heard about the car accident. I heard about like my friend's brother died, and I was already super bummed for that. There, and right before we we're about to go on, I got a call going like, "Oh, your friend was in that car too," and I was like, "What the fuck?" You know what I mean? And yeah. all, all Odious was like, "It's all good. You don't have to play." And he was a huge fan of the band, so I was like, "Fuck that! I have to play." You know what I mean? Like yeah. I was, 
It was one of those. You'd be like, if you know, if, if there was whatever is afterlife that the staring above me, like, fuck you. No, no, no. It was my buddy Evan. This is like mm. 2006 or something. This is a oh, while I've, ago. I've seen you give him shout outs before, Evan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was, but just finding it. And, and Alicia, like, all, all of my friends from high school showed up from that. And they were just finding out on the road coming there. So, yeah. we, and then I just got showered with friends that were just finding the information out too. And we were all really close to him. So we're just like, what the, i just basically told uh i told uh, one of my buddies that was around i was like i need like two 40s right now and it was like no i was yeah. you know i was young back then i was like i need two mickey's 40s or whatever mm-hmm. and um and I'll, I'll do it for sure but uh yeah it was just getting that like shocking information like i mean the day it just turns into this haze of like mm-hmm. you don't even you can't even look at people it's like you're so your brain is so enveloped in something else that you have people could be talking to you and you can't hear anything they're saying, you know, you're yeah, just like those moments in the movies where like all the background noise just turns into. Yeah. To- oh, totally. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I hear like the end of it, like what? Like I can't, yeah. like I don't I can't put it together right now. Like I, you know, it's, you only have limited brain power when you get like hit with like a traumatic thing, a, like a bomb, you like know? That, yeah, cause your brain just can't even comprehend it. Oh, totally. No. So yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, put it, and these are guys that are putting the show on after feeling those feelings that you just laid out, you know. Well, especially yeah, yeah. With, like the Loomis situation, like that band was—that's all him. You know, he's basically just soloing the entire time, having to do yeah. all this really complicated stuff that is right front and center, so everybody can hear every mistake that you're doing. Everybody's all paying attention to you, and you're having to play with this like huge weight on your chest because of this so i can't imagine that that i mean jeff loomis is one of the best guitar players in the world like i can't imagine having to do like a, a solo where it's a solo you standing in front and having to like think about these skate yeah. runs you're going to do and stuff and like you have no time to really to chill you have yeah. to like you have to go bananas the whole time <laughs> yeah there's videos of that show on youtube and that like turned out really good and again you'd have no idea was yeah. that uh conquering dystopia or no, that was the uh, that was the other Alex Webster that played on that one. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> that, uh, no, that was with his uh, solo project. Um, okay, I was gonna say I'm like I, I yeah, I was like I don't think you played on that, but it sounds like you did in my brain. Girls, I miss lots the of letter. people that probably think that I did, but I, <laughs> I didn't. I could um, I could see it though. So yeah, the uh, and that was right pretty much after the tour that I did. So the tour that I did with him was in 2013 where we were co-headlining with soil work. Mm. And Mm. uh, that was the uh, very first tour I had ever done. And still the longest tour that I've ever done. It was 57 days and it was supposed to be 55 gigs. So we were only supposed to have two days off in that entire period of time. Um, and we did like a, you know, a big loop in North America and played all of these like really kind of stupid B markets. Like we played nine gigs in Texas. Mm. Like, I mean, I know Texas is a big state, but like, did we really need to be playing Tyler? It's, like, it's like a four gig state, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, if you do Dallas, <laughs> Austin, San Antonio, Houston, and maybe yeah. El Paso, that's, that's, yeah, all, yeah. you know, but we did like Lubbock. Tyler, we did oh, Lubbock yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. Did you Corpus yeah. Christi, Corpus Christi. That was the day that Jeff that found out he that oh, his dad died. We were in Corpus Christi, Texas, like Damn. literally, like almost on the opposite side of the country from Wisconsin, from where he's from. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that still is the the longest tour that I have ever done, and uh, 
it very quickly showed me that I really do like touring a lot. Nice. Um, that, uh, you know, we were driving around in a van, which obviously is not the best thing ever. But we were getting hotels, so it's not like we were, you know, raw. Jeff Loomis was in a van? Yeah, he was. But we were, like I said, we were staying in hotels every night. So I guess that okay, kind okay. Of evens it out a little bit. Um, but, uh, you know, so that's still, I mean, that's a lot of driving. And there were a lot of really long drives on that. Like there was one. So we didn't play in El Paso because it would have been like San Antonio to El Paso and then El Paso to Oklahoma City or something. And both of those drives would have been like 10 or 12 hours. And it was like right after we had gotten robbed in St. Louis. So we were just like, mm. dude, fuck that. We're not doing it. So we just ended up not going to that gig and drove to the next one, which was like a little bit closer because it was kind of like this weird zigzagging thing that uh, – was uh was happening so there was some stuff on it that was brutal and pretty much any bad thing that can kind of happen to you on a tour happened on that tour you know like mm -hmm. i said we got robbed in st louis that's a um, bummer i yeah. uh yeah i mean it it definitely could have been worse than what it was um was it like a hold-up robbery no no it was, somebody just broke into our van so okay played this uh venue called the firebird um, and I've actually had other friends get robbed at that venue. So, Hey, if anybody's watching and you play the firebird, watch your shit yeah, because um, yeah. it will probably get stolen. So, and cause I think people like case vehicles, they'll like watch oh, yeah. vehicles are doing what, and then they'll follow you. St. Louis is literally one of the top crime capitals of the United States. Oh yeah. Yeah. But so what happened with us on this gig is we packed up, left the gig. We stopped at a Jimmy John's on the way out of town that, you know, it was maybe like 10 minutes away from the venue, still like in basically downtown St. Louis, right near one of the colleges that were there. So it was not like we were, you know, in the middle of like barren suburban wasteland. Mm. And we parked the van literally right in front of the building, you know, all glass windows. Um, so clear sight line of the, the van. We were in there for no more than 10 or 15 minutes because we were just getting a sandwich before we left town. And we get back in the van. We didn't even know we were robbed at first because they didn't break a window or anything. I think what they did is they took a flathead screwdriver and kind of like jammed it up underneath the little locking mechanism. Cause we saw this little like V like cut out right below the little lock thing. So I think they just popped that open, pulled the little lock thing out, unlocked the door, got in and uh, got away with, like they hit us at like the best possible day for them. Like it really, it sucked. So our uh, tour manager was going to pay off the rental for the van the next day. So he had $6,000 in cash in the van. Um, and Oh my God. Dude. Yeah. Like, I I mean, that guy, but oh, oh dude, I do. I bet those guys that found that shit were just, <laughs> I wasn't oh, even dude. thinking about cash. I was just thinking about equipment, dude. Okay, so they got the cash, um, and they also got basically all of our electronics. So, like, my phone, my laptop. Um, I think Anoop might have had a camera. Travis Montgomery, I think, had a camera. Like, basically all of our electronics were stolen. So they probably got away with, like, maybe almost 20 grand worth of shit that mm. day. So, dude, they hit. So you guys had all your music gear in a trailer behind you? So, well, we didn't even have a trailer. So, uh, soil work was going around in a bus. So we put some of the bigger stuff in there, but my bass and Jeff's guitar were in the van, but they were kind of like pried up, 
pried between like the very back seat and the window. So it was kind of hard to get them out too much time to try to get it out. But it's great because that base was the very first base that I ever built. Um, And Jeff's guitar, he had just gotten uh, from some guy that did some like fancy, like custom, like decal, like logo, logo decal on it. So it was like these kind of one of a kind instruments that, Sure, maybe it would be easier to find it online if somebody was stealing or somebody was trying to sell it, but it's instruments you can't really replace in a way. So, yeah, sure, it sucked that like my iPod and my laptop and whatever got stolen, but you know, it's replaceable. That's much more replaceable. Um, But it was amazing how quick and efficient they were. Like they must have driven up in a car right next to the van one or two guys must have climbed into the van yeah, and like sort of like an assembly line, like handing stuff out. Cause dude, we were in there for no more than 10 or 15 minutes. We were right there and they still got in and out and we had no idea. That's insane. Yeah. yeah I mean, like, knowing like, like I, there's certain spart- parts of like a, like North America, like a Vancouver and stuff back when it was okay. like really bad. And um, we would pull up there and, Within the first time we ever did, actually, Anthony, you were with us. The first time we ever did, there was literally Deeds of Flesh's van got broken into, I don't know, three or four minutes after we pulled up. It was all oh, window, band, like people were grabbing shit like right off the bat. It was yep. like, it I was, and, and then so, next where, time we went there, what city was this? Uh, Vancouver. Vancouver. And then oh, there's yeah. been other times there where it's been like, we pulled up behind the rickshaw, you know, the rickshaw. Oh, yeah. Behind mm-hmm. the, the rickshaw, and like people were just like, oh, this is a cool place to come hide and shoot up. <laughs> like, oh, dude! Like, right, yeah. it's like oh, like tinted windows. So they don't see us just watching them, and they just like we were there for a second, like doing our thing, just getting like stretching, and and we're looking over, and there's a guy like, oh, I found a cool place to shoot up over here, and uh, I was like, whoa, dude, yeah, it's the, definitely uh, bananas, dude. When so exist did a tour with uh, Obscura back in 2018 for that Deluvium tour that was like a stacked lineup. It was Obscura, Beyond Creation, Inferi, Archfire, and us. Um, Sick, and. uh that's basically like where I met the obscure guys was on that tours. But so we were playing at the rickshaw. We uh, got there. Actually, we got there first. Uh, so we pulled back into the alleyway and uh, just were kind of waiting for them to show up. We must have timed it perfectly for when a dealer showed up because like we're sitting like really like right behind that back door. And, you know, there's like that dumpster that's kind of like sort of like yeah, yeah, yeah. one building yep. down. He the, him and this woman walked into like one of those little doorway kind of things and then it was dude it was just like cockroaches man it was like this weird horror movie they're like scuttering down like the sides of buildings it was like 30 (laughs) people just popped out of nowhere Uh, and uh, all started congregating right uh around where that was and that was right in front of our van and the van is on we're clearly in there like the front of it is not tinted at all so you can see that there's people in there um and uh you know, shooting up, people were smoking it to the point where I could smell it coming into the van. So we had to turn the recirculate button on because it was like, dude, I'm smelling the crack that these people are smoking right now. Like, Jesus. this is fucking insane. Um, and, I was like, maybe you wanted to recirculate it to get a little yes. fucking secondhand. <laughs> <Recirculate>. <laughs> hey, you want to come in here? Uh, but, uh, secondhand crack smoke. But the, the, the crazy thing is that they're like total zombies. Like they don't oh, yeah. acknowledge your presence at all. Like with with Baltimore, you know, Baltimore's definitely has its share of drug problems, and you see a lot of junkies throughout the city. But they always like you know come up to you, like try to ask for money or whatever, or at least acknowledge your presence. Whereas in Vancouver, they're just like 
I've literally said zombies before in Vancouver. It's they're like, zombies, uh, dude. like yeah, there's yeah. no other way to describe it. They are total zombies. Like there was yeah. one time uh, on this last North American tour, I had to like basically pull somebody away from our bandwagon because he was trying to like get into our bandwagon. Like we were loading in and he was just kind of like fumbling around and just like looked up at the door and was like, Oh, I'm going to go in there. And he like, tried to, like walk up the stairs. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Like I basically had to like pull him off the door. Cause he was just going to, walk in there and make himself and then he just like scuffled away yeah and he and he got mad at me like he started like cussing at me like like dude what what are you doing you just in portland in portland i remember one time there was i mean i've I've had that like fucking vancouver was like in the height it was like the highest not to like get all crazy but it was the highest uh aids um intravenous like aids like distribution whatever was going on there because everyone was doing yeah they were using needles so much and stuff out there and um but i remember one time in portland we just had a couple that was they were just heroin addicts just walking down the street just casual cute little little heroin addicts you know on a date you know just walking around (laughs) like everybody uh, man and they were like uh they were like the van was right there like hey do you mind if we like shoot up in your van (laughs) like i swear to god just ask me point blank and I was like, no, I mean, yes or no. Or I you're appreciate not the honesty, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, whoa, it's like so, like, just like, dude, we're in Portland, bro. Like, there's a party like, that says, all right, but can I watch? Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, no, I was asking t- like it's completely normal. Like, that's just something that people ask every day. You know? Yeah, it was on like a summer slaughter where like already like two, three or bands got like ripped off pretty hard. So it's like I'm already pissed about that. So it's that like bringing those like those guys in the van would be like a like the absolute nightmare it's yes, like not nightmare. what i want yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so like we were just we were just like get the fuck out it was me and uh freight train uh James what, are, what are they gonna be able to do dude they'll pocket some of your snacks or something they're not gonna be able to grab <laughs> i know it's so gonna nod off and like fucking they'll probably lose some of their shit in your fucking <laughs> well, they die in your van and then you have to deal with like you know the paramedics like hauling them out of there and like you potentially getting in trouble with that you know you just oh, never know man i know with that it's a very easy thing to just say no to, you know, even exactly. though it could have turned your day into something very exciting and different and new, it's probably better. You, uh, told I don't know how the weed laws are nowadays, but there's been places where, you know, back in the day where we would, you know, Oh, you want to smoke a joint? Sure. Smoke a joint with these people. Cops roll up. These are minors, like, like 17 or something. They're just fans of the band. And we're like, yeah, we'll smoke. And they're like, you're doing drugs with my, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. They just offered me a joint. I don't know what's going on. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's, you got to be really careful about like just being like, yeah, fuck yeah, fans. They're fans of the band, so let's not even worry about it. Like they're just like dudes going like, oh yeah, have a joint. And you're like, oh fuck yeah, thank you, man. And then it's from a 17 year old, you're like, shit, like, yeah. this could be like bad. But luckily the cops were like, it's I get it, it's all good. Just get yeah. the skedaddle, you know what I mean? And yeah, it's it's but, probably more lenient now. Like you probably wouldn't get yeah. screwed as hard as you would before, but still not something I want to, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, that's definitely with. something. Yeah, don't fuck with that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah don't accept not. gifts from strangers. No, even if they're fans. Even so, if they're fans. yeah, if they're fans. Yeah. So Alex, you, so Alex, you started playing bass at what age? <laughs> now I have to piss. I, I was about to ask if we wanted to go back to uh, where we were. We're gonna, we always like to go back eventually. Uh-huh. But yeah, we like to hear. Well, okay, so here we can fast forward a little bit if you want to, because we like to hear high school projects, bands friends that you uh met along the way that helped re you know form your metal metal uh 
who I am. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, so I, I started playing bass at uh, the same age that a lot of people do. You know, I was like 12 or 13 or something. Um, and the situation was kind of funny because I had these two friends that lived in my neighborhood that one played drums and one played guitar and they wanted to start a band and obviously nobody played bass. So the guy who played guitar, his dad had a bass. He came up to me. He's like, here, here's a bass. Learn how to play this. And, uh, the first day that I picked it up, we had to play this like show at this kid's birthday party. Like one, like the drummer, it was his birthday party and we had to play. Um, and I'm sure it sounded fucking God awful, <laughs> but it was hilarious that like literally the first day I picked up bass, I had to play in front of people. Um, <laughs> And uh, but from the second I picked it up, like I said earlier, I just knew that this there was something different and something special about. You start that. with a pick or your fingers? With my fingers. All right. Yeah, and it was it wasn't anything purposeful. Like maybe I like did play with a pick. Like I maybe I tried both of them, but like I mostly um, stuck to just playing finger style in the beginning. Even though I was into a lot of like punk and like like ska and things like that like i was into rancid and green day or less than jake was another favorite band of mine like back when mm-hmm. i was like because mm-hmm. nice. all of those bands have like pretty sick bass players or at oh, least yeah. bass totally, players yeah. that have lines that are kind of like prominent melodic lines like the first bass line i ever learned was long view by green day which is like a bass mm-hmm. feature in the beginning so i sort of inadvertently from the very beginning was exposed to a lot of these like really melodic bass players and exposed to bands that had, you know, sort of like an importance put on the bass. And then, how well, old are you? How old are you? I'm 33. Okay. Yeah. What, uh, was that one rancid song that has like a bass solo? Murder? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Everyone used to go nuts for that thing. Oh dude. I remember the first time here. I, I have a perfect memory of the first time I ever heard that. Yeah, uh, and just like completely shitting my pants over like it was just blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I've actually been thinking about making a cover of that just <laughs> for shits and giggles, you know, just to, to, to say that I did it. Um, Hell yeah. I don't know, maybe, maybe some point. Um, but so yeah, from like the very beginning, I was just exposed to and really into a lot of bands that had the bass kind of front and center, and then like I really got into Mudvayne and Ryan Martini was kind of the first major bass influence I ever had, which obviously again, you know, another very prominent um, band band with a prominent bass player in it, especially with LD 50, you know, like I used to play that album out. It was crazy. Um, But uh, I, after like getting into some new metal like that, I quickly started, you know, like I got exposed to a lot of the like true metal um, through a friend that went, I went to high school with that was older. And he, I remember one day he brought over death, sound of perseverance, uh, Halloween keeper of the seven keys. And there was one more and I can't remember what the last one was, but before you continue, I just had to step away, but I could still hear what was going on. And I just want to <laughs> add to the mud vein thing because <laughs> LD 50 really is an album that shows that, uh, a very talented bass player can be in the new metal realm. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm cracking. I'm, up. I'm cracking the professor up right now because <laughs> yeah. I just, I just like heard Alex name drop LD50, and I just waiting for Anthony's comment. I realize Anthony's not there, and I'm like, thank God we don't have to have a devolution of this conversation right now. No, but I don't then you like, I, 
I hear what's going on. I'm like, oh fuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just I was wanted to back it up myself, so I couldn't see any of your guys' faces and <laughs> what reactions might be happening with that. But um, I have no shame that I was into yes. that band and like that. That's a great there. album, dude. And and, and that album playing. is really kind of something special. That like after that one, they kind of jumped the shark and it sort of got too trendy. But like that first one really had yeah. a special characteristic to it. And I wouldn't even I, call it new metal. It's yeah, it's it's one yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, sure, okay, it's under the umbrella of new metal, but it's this sort of like its own world kind of right, deal. right. Um, and for a long time, I had no idea that he recorded. I think the entire album on fretless bass, because um, mm-hmm. there was a and lot it of sounds stuff. like it too. Well, there's definitely moments where it's really obvious, but back in the day, I didn't know that. So I was like, dude, what kind of pedal is he using to like make that shit happen? And I think that inadvertently got me into like using chorus pedals and things like that, because I thought maybe it was some kind of chorus or reverb or something mm-hmm. type mm-hmm. of modulation effect, but it was just because he was playing fretless, you know? Yeah. Um, but either way that, that still had a really big impact on how I like to hear bass in oh, an album, yeah. like in a mix, like what I sort of want the bass to be doing in a band mm-hmm. in a way, like a lot of those early, artists even though they're not really metal at all or at least like metal in the sense that we're mostly talking about it still had a big impact on just kind of how i hear what bass or what yeah, i like sean malone he's not i wouldn't call him like he's not a, a metal traditional bass metal bass player but his his voice and all the cynic stuff and all the metal adjacent stuff that he's done Absolutely. He's playing that on the the fretless and the Chapman stick and all this stuff, and it gives it a total different um, flavor and texture that's going on there. There's no, there's there's like no abrupt lines between notes. Is that really like basically what the fretless is for? Is there's blurring the lines between everything? I mean, it's just a it's a sonic timbral difference you know you just it's not always that kind of like kind of fluid like amorphous kind of thing because sometimes that can actually hurt like a mix or like hurt a bass performance if you can't really hear a lot of the accents of everything that you're playing and especially with playing in the lower register it's kind of hard you know yeah. and one thing yeah. after playing uh you know a lot of this obscure music that's been a challenge like getting that lower register to be really clear to what I'm playing rather than it just sounding. Like, yeah. 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 Um, so it's, uh, you know, I don't know if, I mean, I still would probably consider myself much more of a fretted bass player than a fretless bass player, even though I have been liking playing fretless a lot, but there's just certain things that are much more challenging with fretless than they are on fretted. Um, but it can be a great sound that can really, uh, you know, obviously, case in point with Cynic or Obscura or, you know, with Steve DiGiorgio on, on individual thought patterns, like stuff like that, you know, has a really cool effect to it. Right. Um, yeah. And those are, yeah, those are the references that I always use, too, for fretless bass and metal. Mm-hmm. Those guys right there. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that, like, I didn't really get into playing fretless in the beginning because most of my idols especially in metal are fretless players you know like sean malone steve DiGiorgio. um obviously jaco pastorius isn't a metal bass player but he was sort of like my next really big influence after 
uh, Ryan Martini. So there was all these guys that I was listening to that were fretless bass players, but I never really played it myself. Um, some of it, I think, was partially because I kind of like didn't want to sound like them. You know, mm -hmm. I like wanted to do my own thing. But then also, I never really had any fretless basses that were that good in the beginning. Like I had a couple that just didn't feel very good, didn't sound very good, and I wasn't ever really that interested in playing them and so maybe if i had had a really good fretless early on i would have started doing it more mm. um but yeah it was just kind of surprising that a lot of like the dudes that were really um formative for me in the very beginning were fretless players yet i didn't like go down that path were you into uh, primus i was yeah mm -hmm. for sure yeah so i mean obviously some of the stuff that he did which is like not very like fretlessy in the typical sense i mean you know like jerry was a race car driver has like the, the fretless bass on ice song dracula is that um who is on that what record is that from is that is that from Harsh? i thought it was rob zombies uh yeah with that first band that i was telling you about that like i played on that birthday party we used to try to cover that song back in the day it was probably <laughs> incredibly embarrassing with a fretless bass? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay, that'd be I, amazing. I was fretted bass. No, I think he was talking, <laughs> that, that comment was the Iced Earth song. It's from a horror show, 2001. And that's Steve DiGiorgio's on that one, right? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's on that one. Um, he plays on Dragula? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Damn, that's crazy. I didn't... Yeah, Rob Zombie and Iced Earth are the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> They're the same guy in case you haven't, you know, like, connected those dots. Iced Zombie. That's right. <laughs> yeah. What's up with John Rob Schaefer? Earth. Still like MIA. Robert. Who? Yeah, I don't know. What's up with John Schaefer? Like, I, I think he like skipped town because of like the allegations and all the stuff that was coming down on him from uh, January 6th. I'll look it up real fast. Oh, oh that's right. The that blew yeah. my mind. Like when the day that that was happen happening, I was looking through the pictures and you know that really famous picture of him where he's like front center like, ah, doing that. <laughs> I yeah, saw yeah, yeah. that before any of like the metal sites picked it up, like the day that it was happening. I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> like that that is totally John Schaefer. Like, what? Um <laughs> it blew my mind. I was like, no, that can't be him. That's gotta just be somebody that looks like him. But motherfucker, that that was totally him. Whoops. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. I mean, what I mean, yeah, he's what what do you do? You gotta like like shave your head and like have like purple eyebrows after that. There's yeah, because it's like, dude. Okay, sure, you're not the most famous person in the world, but there are definitely going to be people who know who you are, especially if exactly. you're front and center like that. You can't hide, you know. So you know that's kind of a dumb move on his part, but you know, <laughs> either way, he, he's been cooperating recently. Apparently, whatever. Oh, has he? Because last I had heard, he like was MIA. Like he had, yeah. Like, down or was just. Like, I can see on. old older stories saying that, and newer stories saying he's cooperating with the feds. Yeah. Um, okay. Probably, or whatever. Probably he already pleaded guilty at some point. So, well, I mean, how could you not? I mean, it'd be like the. You no, know, sorry, man, that wasn't. Yeah. Me. I don't know. What that was the ex singer. That wasn't me. Yeah. Like the Johnny Depp of like metal trials. They should just like televise it. Yeah, <laughs> plead the fifth. <laughs> um, somebody shit on somebody's bed and blamed it on a dog. <laughs> Again, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so I had I had a bunch of friends in high school that were a little bit older that were tuned into some a lot of these other, you know, metal bands that might have been a little bit harder to come by. And so I learned about a lot of them through those guys, which is pretty, you know, I'm pretty grateful for that because I, uh, you know, I'm an only child. So I didn't have any like older brothers to show me that stuff or neither of my parents, even though both of them were musicians, 
neither of my parents were into metal, so they couldn't right, like, right. pass down like a Black Sabbath or a Judas Priest record to me and like kind of start the process that way. So I kind of had to find things out on my own um, or through word of mouth. But of- I think with what they were doing, it gave you um, a foundation that not a lot of kids have too. Oh, know? sure. It helped me appreciate a, a lot of stuff that, you know, maybe people don't really get exposed to very often, you know, mm-hmm. and also like once I started like showing signs of like actually being serious with music, they were able to point me in certain directions that obviously made me into a better musician, you know, by like pointing me towards teachers that were good or like showing me certain like like some of the first jazz records I ever listened to were were from my dad. Like he had some Miles Davis records and some Bill Evans records that were some of the first stuff I ever heard. So having them as parents definitely helped, you know, guide me in a certain direction. And like, for instance, I went to college for music, even though, you know, maybe that's kind of a dumb idea and that degree is never going to do anything for me. Really horrible idea. You know, yeah, it's not like <laughs> girl was like, hey, what was your GPA in college? <laughs> um, or oh, your SAT scores were only 1600. Ooh, sorry, you can't play with that. Um, I can't play music. Yeah, sorry, dude. Yeah, it must mean you really can't play music. Um, but uh, so, but the thing that I really did appreciate from it and really get out of it is uh the network of musicians that i make a living with like back home now like all my local gigs uh that you know allow me to basically just make all of my money from performing which is you know which is great and also the discipline that kind of comes along with um that lifestyle and really that type of kind of dedication to music you know being in college you're like really shown like this is what you got to do you got to practice like this and there is no easy way around it there's no cheat code there's no back door it's like it's that hard work and boom that's it so being in that environment definitely you know helped with those things which are you know, kind of like intangible in a way. It's not like a, like a book fact or something that, you know, I could have like just bought from somebody. It just comes from the experience of being in that environment. So I'm glad that I did it, even though my degree on paper is kind of pointless, you know? Um, and I got lucky that I didn't come out with a bunch of student loan debt too. So that also yeah. really helps. Cause you know, I have a bunch of friends that are still dealing with that stuff. It's like, dude, he got a music degree from Harvard, dude. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, there, there there are some like really heavy teacher, heavy music yeah. teachers that teach at Harvard. Those, so, like, if you went there, I, you bet, I mean, I bet. Yeah, no, yeah. but check me out. Like, my my thing is this: it's it's, it's society that makes a degree in mm-hmm. in certain things not important just because they think that it won't be something that they can pull money out of you know sure. it's, right. it's but, a different thing yeah because it's yeah not- it's like oh you are you going to be successful with that degree oh then fuck that degree dude but really it's not about that dude no, it's about it's what not- you learn from it because like i said with being there the the piece of paper wasn't the important thing it's the stuff that i learned in the process or like the network that i gained from it that uh you know, because music obviously works in a completely different way than basically yeah. every other job. So, like, you know, if you're trying to get a computer or an IT job somewhere, you know, they want to see that maybe you went to a certain college and got a certain degree or have some kind of past experience doing whatever. Um, but, 
you know, obviously, like I said, it's not like I've ever asked, like I've had a band ever ask for like a de- like a degree. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, what does yeah. what does a music degree like oh, dude, really help you? Like, what is it? What does it really? Uh, what, what what profession or what what all, all, situation just, like classical musician? Like was that? So basically, the yeah. only environment that really having a music degree actually helps in is if you're trying to teach at a college or like for instance okay. like you said if you're trying to get into like an orchestra or something like that 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 okay is kind of necessary like i've had uh, a couple of colleges in the area ask me if i'd be interested in teaching there but once i told them that i didn't have a master's degree they're like oh mm. sorry Ooh. yeah, yeah even though some of these up. were like private <laughs> colleges that make their own rules and could have easily just been like yeah sure great whatever it doesn't fucking matter because like mm. i've some of my teachers in the past, like one of the heads of the jazz department at the college that I went to, he has like a bachelor's degree in psychology, but he's like <laughs> a nasty trombone player and like killed it at like, that department. Or like one of uh, my favorite jazz bass players, this guy named Michael Formanak, he used to teach at this conservatory in Baltimore called Peabody. He went to college for all of about a month and then he yeah. just started playing with Joe Henderson and Jerry Mulligan and all these like huge jazz artists. So it was like, what, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, the proof is in the pudding, not the piece of paper with that. It's totally. I mean, with, with, with music. I mean, that's it, totally. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It's like, you before can watch... we, I was going to say, before we move on, I got to give a quick shout out to uh, Jack, Jack Wilson's and so Jack's dude. been like one of the most old school fans that we've had on the podcast. And he like made, he, like, it was, I think it was a year ago. He sent us like a picture and like made a hoodie like his, his own, own hoodie and... with our logo on it because he we like his we own merch before we, we had merch. merch for like a year <laughs> yeah. and a half years it's like yeah, pro <laughs> looking it's like legit looking merch <laughs> like, yeah so yeah, he's yeah. been with us since day one dude and it, it's good seeing you in the chat jack hey yeah. jack yeah, yes but yeah sure. shout out so some shout of the bootleg out. merch gets really funny like when obscura played mexico earlier this year <laughs> yes. uh we were playing uh, this venue in Mexico city that like, you know, most tours or most shows like bigger shows happen there. And out front, there were all of these stands of all of these like bootleg merch guys that were selling Obscura merch literally right in front of the Obscura show. So it just kind of cracked me up that like there was no separation at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of the bootleg merch actually looked pretty sick where it was just like, <laughs> You're wow, like I want to was- buy some of that. Like, damn, that actually, some of it looked really <laughs> terrible. Uh, yeah, yeah. But also some of it was like, wow, that's actually like kind of cool and really hilarious that you're selling it like 15 feet away from where like our the rest of our merch. Is <laughs> there was that one store we had a uh, Dennis from Spawn of Possession on. I, I think it was his story where he was talking about they played like Russia or something like that. And there was this like kind of mafia owned club where they made the own their own merch for the club and when you went in there it's like no it's like they're gonna get the money and it's like this is what's going down well like it was like well sopranos club yeah. like you know it's like no this is the mafia runs this place and this is what happens and uh-huh. this is how it works here fuck with it you don't ask questions yeah you just play the show and then there's a guy in a suit comes in and just takes the envelope and walks away you know it's like well that's what it was a trip hearing that story i forget exactly how it worked but it was something along the lines of like mafioso, like running a club. Like I you're... think that was America, dude. Because I think that was the story. <laughs> that that America? Was, I, think, I think I think Mike Hamilton was the TM on that tour that they were just oh, talking about. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Some. I'm, I'm mixing it. It was like oh. a, a year and a half ago. Yeah. But uh, the Russia, dude. The slam scene in Russia is fucking awesome right now. It's hilarious, dude. Is it? There's like 
all these bands come out of there like insect inside is one band um and i just like have gone down this rabbit hole and i don't know i think slaughter to prevail is from russia and they're like the biggest they're not slam at all but like it's kind they, of from that russian i think I so yeah yeah i, I think they, are. they were russian or ukrainian i knew they were you know like that part of the world in some capacity but i couldn't remember which one they were I think they're right because I think they were the first one of the first bands to like. What do you guys think about the situation that's going on? And they were like, "Shit, you know, like, Like, next question, please." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, it's a it's a pretty hilarious to see like all these kind of like generic kind of bands come out of there. They all have like the monster on the album cover, and it's like epicodobagidectomy or whatever the name is, like (laughs) eighteen syllables. (laughs) But they're all sick. Like I like it. You know, for generic music, it's all good. Have you guys seen that uh, the like loud farm fest thing? It's like in Slovakia or something. It's got like there, there's the one video to do with the pig mask on, and he's like bent over and they're like slapping his ass as they come around. Like <laughs> it's so crazy, dude. Oh, wait, you did send us that recently. Yeah, dude, it's insane. Yeah. He's wearing like some weird speedo that goes like all the way up to his shoulders. Like, dude, so, so, oh, it's a Borat speedo. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Dude. It's insane, dude. <laughs> Yeah, and they just slam. They just the, slam death metal around them. And yeah, the loud farm wow. fest. I forgot what the name of that band is. It's like one of those names, like you know, Flappa Dababa of Tropsy or some shit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tropsy, Tripsy. Yeah. But like some like made up medical sounding term. <laughs> exactly. They do like the pig squeals, but there's this dude with a pig mask on, and he's like kind of like doing the whole like dominatrix yeah. thing. Like, and everyone like go, goes like in a circle on the stage, and they like. Oh, slap man. his booty dude yeah dude. i sent you the video bro i know it. but did they really do that i well, may i may have watched video. like 10 seconds of it dude. Yeah, you guys see one of those uh clown core videos where oh, like yeah. i yeah. love those porta potty the other one Port-a-potty. was in a like a minivan the i, minivan I, ones I actually best. really enjoy and i actually enjoy the music too and and then I see that they're booking shows here and there, and they're selling out all crazy. So I'm like, fuck it's, yeah, uh, Lewis Cole. That's okay. That. That's what it was. I was like, man, I know it's somebody that's in the jazz world, and I I had recently found who is this? Lewis Cole. He's a drummer. And, but I mean, yeah. what is it? What else does he do? He does a lot of his own music. He he was in that band Knower, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it, like I think maybe uh. the first thing that like got really popular with him was Noah, which is just a duo with him and I think her name is Genevieve Artadi. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Um, and it's like you know you wouldn't really call it jazz. I mean, it's kind of like coming from jazz because it seems like both of them have like had exposure to that. And uh, I think Genevieve's like uncle is dave binney or like he she she has some kind of connection with dave binney which is this great improvising like jazz saxophone so saxophonist um so they have connections to that world but it's definitely more like on the indie side of the spectrum in a way sort of like yeah quasi dance music and nowhere like open for red hot chili peppers on a europe oh, tour wow i didn't know I think that. that was like a break for them but i don't think it was like super well received yeah, but, that seems like kind of a weird combination, and especially with how the Red Hot Chili Peppers are now. I could see a lot of their fans are just going completely over their heads. But uh, all the and, Lewis Cole and by the way, that- Clowncore does not work with any of these bands that we've talked about right now. We what is Clowncore? We got to talk about what Clowncore is. Oh, if you not why, seen also too, we got to talk videos? about why. No, he's seen the videos. No, I've definitely seen him, but I want I want the audience to hear us explain it. We have to talk oh, about like why core gets added to everything. Like it's like oh, it's a style, and they're like core. Uh, I think that's the joke, core. maybe. 
I think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. probably playing into that thing. And it just seems like that that whole thing just came about as a complete joke, like Lewis just being like a, a total dingus and just wanting to like make something that's crazy and stupid. And that's where that came from. I, I don't know the background of it, but obviously like, you know, a bunch of us have seen those videos that kind of went viral and circulated around just because of how like ridiculous they were. Clowindectomy. Yeah. I, Joel, can, <laughs> you, can you watch these videos for a second, dude? I'm trying to, I can't highlight can it. Can you do it? I don't What I was going to say with the clown core thing, they're not, obvi- they're obviously, <laughs> It's it's a parody. It's satirical. They're totally. making fun of the fact that everything is core. Mm-hmm. Yeah, know? yeah. I mean, like Hiatus Coyote calls himself Wonder Core, which mm-hmm. is awesome. That's Why is so it shoegaze? It should be shoe core, dude. Gaze core. Gaze core. To speak on the new jazz <laughs> show, have you guys heard of uh, the group uh, Domi and JD Beck? I think oh, it yeah. is. Yep. Oh, yeah. Dude, is, I'm into it. Okay, so I don't know enough about them, but who's Domi and who's JD Beck? Is JD Beck the drummer? Yeah. That Domi's dude fucking rips, dude. Yeah. yeah, JD's rad. He really fucking like makes me excited when he plays, dude. Yeah, Lewis yeah. is in that same kind of ballpark too. Like all of the like Nowhere's kind of maybe sort of like uh JD Beck and Nomi, like kind of in, in that sort of side of the spectrum. But yeah, all of those all of those people are amazing, like legit musicians, and they just happen to, you know, make more like this indie kind of trip hop, whatever you want to call it. Kind right. of yeah. Stuff. But they 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 get to these these realms at certain parts in their music. Even just watching their videos, where I'm like, I I'm just blown away that that I I can still be excited about like crazy shit that Mm -hmm. people are doing you know yeah it's i like that they're kind of like using new like textures and drums like treating snares like throwing stuff on top or Mm -hmm. putting Mm -hmm. something on the symbol or using like new like fx symbols and stuff oh yeah um and they're usually like small kind of like mini kits um but you can get like really cool sounds and you know they'll always like drop into like a dilla part and you're just like the stank face and everything it's like it's, it's exciting shit yeah and they they shred and the collaborations they're doing with uh like they got snoop on a track they got uh freaking kamasi washington's on like all those records and mm-hmm. uh yeah, yeah it's like green theater, so. a grammy nomination on that new their their debut right yeah I, i'm pretty sure they got a grammy awesome. yeah, they're, they're like, debut, i don't think they're, they're even fucking, 21 yet i think they're, they're both like 19 they're or 20. kids dude yeah they're kids and and they have great content so yeah dude go check that shit out so this and, is what uh so oh go go ahead no, I, I I I was just gonna keep going until somebody told me to stop. Shut up! This is what uh Casey was talking about. The fucking it's worth it, dude. You guys just are. <laughs> oh, oh my god! god. <laughs> yeah, dude. I love they're uh, doing like it, a circle pit. Turn on, it up. Taking turns. Of course, Adamy. Turn it up. <laughs> you look at the pig, dude. Just give it a second. <laughs> there he is. He's just waiting. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh. When he gets slapped, he puts his head up. 
Oh, you got to take advantage of that wireless setup you got. <laughs> right, yeah. We were looking it up. It's like in Slovakia, I think. This reminds me of uh, I uh, played a gig with Malignancy for this uh, festival out in Illinois um, earlier. <laughs> Did anybody hear that growl at the end? Dude? Yeah. <laughs> it's ridiculous, yeah. Oh, uh, was it that uh, – was it the one where Exodus headline and the Full fucking terror assault? Yeah, 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 exactly. It was that Trying one. To be and, all uh... serious and normal after that, dude. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Yo, yo, okay, back to, the back to business. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways, uh, you know, like, you know, Exodus yeah. and Mountain It's like, oh, <laughs> dude, I mean, man, hey, we've all seen stuff that's way more just fucked saw. up than that. Yeah, <laughs> that got me deep. True, yeah. true, but Jesus, dude, I'm thinking about that <laughs> when you get to bed that in a long time. But this this band that is sort of friends with malignancy called Sexual Atrocities. They uh, were on that festival and that video kind of reminded me of some of their live performances because they'll just like wear these like crazy, like almost like guar sort of like outfits and just beach balls and shit are like flying around everywhere. And it was at like a smaller kind of stage festival like that. No naked pig guys on stage, but <laughs> almost. almost as cool. Almost as almost, cool. Almost as cool. <laughs> Well, they had the the Exodus had like the 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 mosh pit with the golf, golf carts cart. in it, dude. I was standing right on the outside of that, and I'm so surprised nobody got hurt because like yeah, when that looked- started, I was like, dude, this is gonna turn into a clusterfuck because people were hammered and you know like sitting on top of the golf carts and like there were these weird like I don't know what you would call them. They like looked like these big spools that you would like wrap cable around that they just like had in the middle of the field and people were like rocking back and forth on them. Or there were these cages that were on top of them that people were like rocking in the cages. And they, I was like, dude, this is going to fall over and kill somebody. Like, this is insane. Yeah, uh, Jesus. TVB uh, got invited to, to play that fast. We didn't make it, but it was when fun. I saw that. I was like, God damn, that would have been sick. Yeah. And it was uh, at the festival grounds that the meeting of the juggalos used to happen at. <laughs> uh, like, yo, this shit was in the middle of nowhere. Like, driving into it, I was like, dude, what? You oh. know what I'll say now that Anthony's yeah, not got, here so we can't yeah, get into it talking about much. Juggalos. And no, Anthony real quick. Oh, uh, he's back. Oh, he's back. Shit. Hold on. Hold on. We're talking about Juggalos, dude. Came no, no, no. no. Well, on. Anthony, so Anthony was like, he had listened to him back in the day, but I listened to, uh, Vi- or not, who's the, not the big one, but the skinnier one? Shaggy Too Dope. Shaggy Too Dope. Yeah. So, dude, he was on. Uh, I watched the Your Mom House, Your Mom's House podcast with him the other day, and he is a that. fucking comedian, dude. I was like <laughs> cracking up. Funny, so he was cracking up Tom Segura and, and Christina Pazinski like to the point where they couldn't breathe, and I was sitting there l- laughing with them. I was like, this wow. dude like sh- could have been a comedian and decided to be. Have you ever court. seen the video of him <laughs> trying to uh, drop kick Fred Durst while he's playing and he misses <laughs> and just falls on the ground? <laughs> he literally comes out from backstage tries to drop kick fred durst during a limp limp biscuit concert and completely misses and just drops to the stage and then security takes him and (laughs) (laughs) and he's in his makeup and everything dude he's actually like i don't know any i don't know one song by them but he was it's it's terrible but no no but he but he was hilarious as a comedian i was like he was cracking them up like and he was cracking me up. I was like, you should have you could have done either comedy or like clown core. That's what that group has always been. <laughs> he didn't they, yeah, they, he, it was yeah, it wasn't an either. It was funny. like he did both. Like in one I think thing. it's him. I think it's him. I think he's the funny They're one. They're not here. that good of rappers, but 
I mean, they had some funny premises. That's yeah. what it was. Just watching him freestyle, like, I mean, freestyle as in, like, talk and his, like, wittiness. He was, like, killing. He was, like, funnier than Tom Segura. Like, or, or he was, like, like funnier. Than... Nah, I don't know about that. Oh, like, you look. Watch, watch it. Like, why Fago? I've, I have. Yeah, no, like, Fago. I know why Fago. That, that, I mean, that's kind of, like, a funny. Yeah, like, why funny is thing. that even involved? So I feel like. Tom... Have you ever bought Fago? Oh, Fago? yeah. I've, I've seen it. I've never bought it. Half the bottles are flat. Yeah, it was weird. I bought a two liter of it when we were playing in uh, Chicago. I have a picture with me holding like a big two liter of uh, orange Fago, and it's not good. It's not good. It's not good. It's not that good. It's It's terrible. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if I'd call it flat, but it definitely does not have the same level of carbonation that normal sodas do. You know, one thing I was thinking about today on the way to work, I was driving and I was thinking about carb. I was drinking a carbonated water. It was a bubbly that had like 35 milligrams of caffeine in it. Mm-hmm. And I was drinking it and feeling it go down my throat, like the spicy, like the, it's like, I was burping immediately. I'm like, where did, is this a good thing to like carbonation? No, is that not. a good it's idea not. for humans? Like, let's like do a, let's drink a like oxygen water that goes in as bubbles into our system. It's and like, oxygen is, uh, what's the, it's a different gas that makes it. But still like there's it's carbon, dioxide or something carbon dioxide. Carbon yeah. dioxide. Yeah. That seems pretty chill. I guess cigarettes. Yeah. Are <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, all the other stuff we put into our bodies, I guess there could be much worse things. Yeah, it's like it's carbon. It's a carbonated water. It's like yeah, it's water, but like it feels like you, your throat's telling you when it's going down. It's like it's burning. It's not good. This get this away from you. <laughs> mayday, mayday. Yeah, yeah. Alert, alert. Yeah. But it, it's it's fun. That's the whole. Okay, thing. so it's I, this might be a fun tangential but okay in the middle ages beer was safer than water yep so we developed a taste for carbonated drinks because that signified safety what was it carbonated back then well it was mead mostly and i don't know yeah so i don't know like it probably didn't have as much carbonation as like a beer this is where i need the professor i need to know can natural carbonation happen i don't know Yeah. yeah um not so, my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. Like beer then may have just been like let's Google it. Our version yeah, yeah, minus the carbonation. Sure. Yeah. Not sure. Can carbon because I know that like, people that. like back in the day, people couldn't drink water because it wasn't safe. So they're basically just drinking alcohol all day long. Think about yeah. how fucking hammered everybody was all the time. Oh, yeah. Not yeah, they're just drinking dude. flat beer though. They're drinking flat beer the whole time no, when they got like, when they like it was easier to ferment harder alcohols than yeah than similar ones. So going into the from the eighteen hundred to the nineteen nineteen hundreds or whatever, dude, there was absolutely no regulation on any chemical we were able to be sold and ingested. And dude, you can go onto a JC Penny's catalog. I forget how early it is, but you could buy a shoot up kit. From the JC Penney's catalog, a shoot up kit, a shoot up kit to like shoot, shoot your what? morphine, to like, shoot your oh, morphine. Oh dude. my god, Jesus yeah. <laughs> and and okay, and, this is, this is and back before, process. Okay. before medicines and shit, it was just tonics and elixirs, dude. And you'd look at the ingredients of the tonics and elixirs for so all ages, it was morphine, cocaine, cannabis. Yeah, you feel good, that's it. It was just like, it was just like. Oh, well, you stop coughing. Yeah, yeah. Your, 
will bring you to the point of almost not breathing, but you're going to not cough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't breathe that much, you won't cough because you don't take enough inhales. So that's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, like 120 something years ago, people were just walking around all hopped up on fucking coke and <laughs> heroin and meth. And they were just like, dude, let me get a fucking croissant. Dude. Like, it says, uh, it says nat- natural carbonation occurs when the yeast converts sugars into CO2. The fermentation vessel, the CO2. Oh, so it happens has, naturally. Yeah, it has no And also, escape. it can come from volcanic gases dissolved <laughs> in springs or wells of natural water. This naturally occurring sparkling oh, water. Look at us learning. There's like the natural, like the, 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 the spring, the spring water that's like carbonated or something. Okay, so the ferment, fermentation. Okay, the end of prohibition. We gotta read it for the listeners. natural carbonation from CO2 buildup and fermentation, but most beer is carved in bright tanks via a carb stone. Okay. Carb stone. So it's added so, later. So the carbonation we drink is a natural thing. No, it's added later. It's right, uh, the carb stone. Okay. So, so, but he's saying back in the day there was carbonation to beer because from the natural yeah. fermentation. We just like we're like we don't want it, it. It's not bubbling enough. We need to add some shit. Pretty yeah. much bubbling. So the bubbling though, we got all used to that. But that was like from natural. Uh, I think it's oral. Probably. I think it's more oral fixation than anything, dude. It's just like you put something in your mouth. Like I'm, I'm looking for a, a fucking yeah, party. Fancy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm looking for. Like, a that's party. why we loved pop rocks, dude. You know, as kids, we loved pop rocks. You know? <laughs> So you left and we just started talking about carbonated water. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the conversation is. So, uh, so, so, like, so was like Exist your first band that got all serious? or uh... Sort of. It definitely was one of the early ones because I've been involved with Exist for a long time. So in I met Max at the end of high school. We actually met at this weird DIY venue in Frederick that I think I think it was called The Space. But basically, it was this guy's garage that it was this separate garage from his house. So it was like out sort of in his backyard. And it was so sketchy. Like inside the garage, it was just lined up with all these like mattresses and shit. So it looked kind of like a like a like a loony bin, you know, like you see like a guy in like a straight jacket, you know, like basically that it was super dirty. You had to like to get in there. You basically had to like crawl through this glory hole that it like wasn't even a door. It was like this <laughs> that you had to like insert yourself in, and uh, it was like especially because most of the stuff would happen in the summer, so it would get stupid hot in there. Um, and this was really really gross. And uh, I get there. This band called Buster Hyman was playing. Nice. Uh, like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was this like weird like shitty kind of noise core band. Um, and, uh, so I went in there, came back out and then Max and Anoop walked up cause they used to be in a band together back in the day. And, uh, you know, it was one of those moments where you were like, Oh dude, you're wearing a morbid angel shirt too. Fuck yeah. yeah. You know? So, you know, there was definitely like a connecting point on whatever metal shirts we were wearing at the time. So that's when I first met him. Um, and Exist had kind of been a thing sort of at that point, but it was under the name Asriel at that mm-hmm. uh, at that point. And they had another bass player, but that guy didn't really work out because he on that very first album they did, he just did not do very good. So they basically kicked him out after that and brought me in. Um, and uh, 
we they almost had me re-record that very first album that we did that also just never got released but that was mm -hmm. kind of the beginning of uh exist in a way like alex rudinger was in the band at the time so when i joined mm -hmm. me max and rudy um and uh yeah has a noop not been uh on the podcast yet no no he was on a uh, the copper crab podcast that which used to be down the street they, oh, they okay. moved to Tennessee and now uh we're we got this we got the Cali on lock now. So that's maybe right. We'll get yeah. <laughs> They're not down the street anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, it was kind of cool growing up where I did because there was a lot of you know, really there was a lot of music happening, period. But then there were a lot of these artists that would like kind of go on to like really do something, you know, like Max and Rudy and Anoop mm -hmm. and uh Periphery is from like right where I'm from. Animals as leaders is the same thing. So like I saw animals as leaders second show that they ever played at some mm. like tiny ass venue in Baltimore. Like Matt Halpern was still playing drums for him. Um, and like five people were there. Um, <laughs> you know, there was, there was another show that one of my other bands before exist, we played some like play for some metal club at some college in Virginia. So we were basically playing in a cafeteria and the show was my band, another band and periphery. Um, and like peripheries playing for like 10 people in a cafeteria. Um, mm, and this was crazy. like when like Misha had a couple videos up on YouTube or proto YouTube or whatever it was at that point of like him playing some of the stuff, obviously it was on MySpace. So they were starting to like get a little bit of attention, but this was before anybody knew of them at all. Um, mm -hmm. so kind of just being surrounded by a lot of this like really killer music that's happening and a lot of these musicians that would then go on to like do bigger stuff it was uh pretty inspiring because it set the bar pretty high at a pretty early age you know it was like oh shit okay these guys are doing this and going this hard at it and being this good at it. it's like oh, i guess i have to compete with that you know? that's the attitude i think that's the attitude that people need to take is like once it's not like fuck them we're gonna crush them it's like oh shit that's the bar now well we have to do something different or you know like push it because i know there's a lot of bands like back in the day that were like like death metal mainly that was like fuck this we'll crush them you know what i mean it's like when you have bands that are so like above and beyond you're like all right shit we need to, we need to rethink how we do things and uh push it to another level you know mm -hmm. and it's also just inspiring too because it's just like wow that's amazing. yeah yeah oh and definitely like, it just it, it makes regardless of any like feelings of competition or anything like that it's just like holy crap that is amazing and gets me thinking about music in a different way or maybe that's a sound i never heard you know like when i yep. heard, heard periphery i was like dude what the fuck is this like this is completely different than anything that i had heard at the time and you know then i went and kind of dug in deeper on stuff and found out that obviously everything comes from somewhere um sure you super inspiring because it was like dude i had never heard anything like this before um, yeah yeah um so yeah it, it can be hard to you know, not fall into any kind of like self-deprecating or like egotistical kind of places when you're around musicians that are that good. Because either, like you said, it could be like, oh, well, fuck those guys. I'm going to do it way better. Or like, oh, man, I'm nobody because they're doing. It. Yeah. Yeah. You got to find mm -hmm. a middle ground of like, fuck, yeah, they're doing something sick and we mm -hmm. got to fucking. Do I, yeah. Too. The, you got to find the middle ground where you're like, I know, I know personally for me. I have room for improvement and these other colleagues of mine are showing me that mm -hmm. now, what am I going to do with that? Yeah. 
And just because somebody is good and doing a strong version of the thing, that doesn't mean that you can't do your own version of that thing. It's yeah, not yeah. like there's one death metal band or one black metal band. It's like totally so many different bands that kind of have a lot of these similarities, but it's just like people. It's like, you know, I'm not you, you're not me. And we sure we all speak English and we talk in similar ways, but we have different personalities. We have different ways. We use language. We just interact with people differently. And it doesn't make one of us better than the other. It's just a different mm -hmm. example of the same kind of thing. So it doesn't matter if like, one person one band is like killing it right now it doesn't mean like you can't also be killing it you know i don't know i mean now we have this podcast and stuff and listening to my language and how dumb i sound a lot and like surfer bro <laughs> idiot like <laughs> like it, it really like it's it's i'm looking at yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're right <laughs> but like it's it's actually i didn't know how dumb i sounded and now i'm like oh i need to start i'm saying like how many times we all say like Listen to this. It, oh. it's, you're the most, dude. You're it's the such most. a it's such a build or it's such like a, a time. See, like ten times I just said it right there. Yeah. But it's such a time. It's like a like fills um, in the you know, gaps like, between your thoughts. Yeah, you know, you with uh, Europeans they go uh, uh, they do like an uh thing. You know, we mm -hmm. say like just kind of like. I need a second to think about my thoughts. Next thought, blah blah. Like uh, next thought. Because it just get, it builds you kind of like a second to give yourself a, a I'm surging, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Wait, seriously, though, are you drinking surge or is that like a, a beer? Because do you, do you uh, guys do you guys no, have no, no, no. no? These are uh, white claw surges. They're eight percent. Um, oh shit! White claws. Yeah, yeah Joe goes serious in his seltzers, dude. Yeah, I haven't drank serious seltzer but, uh, situation. <laughs> Dude, those, no. those, I bet those creep up on you too. If they're eight percent, that'll. Uh, I mean, it helps being two hundred and forty-five pounds, but but still, uh, <laughs> you know? they can they can bite you at the end. There's been times on this podcast before. I'm like, everything's good, everything's good. I'm like, I gotta leave. I'll just text everyone in the background. I'm like, I gotta leave, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not, not even like vomit. It's like my, I just can't think of things to say anymore. It's like, dude, you fucking bit. All right, let's go. <laughs> well, you're anymore. you're still awake. Nobody's falling asleep yet. Yeah, we're all yeah, good yeah. now. No, no, I can handle it. It's a and Mr. 3 a.m.'s like, let's keep going, dude. That's right, man. This is this early for me. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, no, totally. Best no, everyone's like passing out, and then like the guest Ooh. is like three hours ahead, and they're like still awake. No, like, we're good. Yeah. And we're like, <laughs> we're like, we gotta go to work in the morning, dude, and they have to go to work it's like, too. It's like 10 o'clock, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So sorry, I'll just try to get us back on track. Dude, oh, yeah. Uh so I kind of left, so I'm not sure if we finished up with kind of how Exist got, got started, you know, Baltimore scene, everything, all these sick, like, prog bands. Um, and you guys felt, like, kind of part of that. Um, yeah, we were, I feel like we were maybe, you know, pun intended, on the periphery of kind of that whole scene that we were at the time, like, Exist's earlier stuff was much more death metal, you know, like, yeah. kind of like Nile or Morbid Angel, like, so our first record that got released under exist name was called sunlight, but there's another record that got released like a full record that got released way before that, that we just never actually uh, promoted you know, really released or promoted. And that album is like, yeah, like much more like Nile or decapitated or morbid angel like that, like kind of death metal. So we were always kind of like the more sort of like old school death metal kids kind of hanging around the periphery of like all of the, uh, because there was a lot of 
deathcore happening, like early deathcore, like uh, like you know, Job for a Cowboy, Suicide Silence, like what those bands like started off sort of as. Yeah. Like there was a big scene for that in Maryland and Northern Virginia. Um, you know, the metalcore thing was at its height at the time, sort of like in the mid early thousands. Um, so we were kind of always the like early so- thousands. Yeah, like 2005, oh, 2006. the early 2000. I was like, the early thousands. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, like the metalcore that was happening in the <laughs> yeah, a medieval metalcore that was happening. Like, <laughs> you mean the, the real yeah, first you know, anything there was medieval fucking metal shit that was going on? That story heavy, evil sounding shit that everybody in the town was like. Oh, what the fuck are these kids doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where drone metal started was Gregorian chants. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, in the early two thousands, um, that uh, so you know we had always we were a, we were a part of it and around it, but we were always kind of like slightly different in a way that we were into some stuff that not everybody was maybe into at least in our area, mm-hmm. uh, but uh. You know, we were still playing a lot of shows. We opened up for a lot of different artists. Like, I don't know if any of you guys have played at that. It doesn't exist anymore, but there was this venue in uh, Springfield, Virginia called Jax. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell Many yeah. Times, we loved Jax. Jax. About Jax. I, heard I loved it, man. I mean, it was kind of a shithole. And like the... <clears throat> we had a great we had a great uh, bloodletting at Jax. Jax is I remember Springfield very well. That A lot of people came out. We sold a lot of merch that night. Jax was a good to us, dude. It's it was definitely the it used to be the spot like the touring spot that a lot of like sort of mid to higher tier bands would come through. But uh, the the recession in 2008 kind of fucked it up a little bit because before that, like tours were coming in all the time and I was going to shows all the time. And I think when the recession happened, the owner probably just kind of just gave up a little bit mm-hmm. you know this jacks had been around since the 90s you know so it had been around for a while and the owner was uh kind of a cokehead and so like he if you caught him on a good day super cool but if you caught him when he wasn't you know high he would uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah thought you fell asleep there for a second somebody else is getting called out for that this is, yeah. Ca- this is casey on the podcast right now. he's like <laughs> no, but you just got called out for sleeping, dude. And, and isn't that been me the last two weeks? Dude? Yeah, Gabe Steber commented on my post. He's like, "All right, we're placing oh, yeah. bets on if Anthony's gonna fall asleep." <laughs> and it's Joel, uh, dude, he fell asleep for No, dude, you fell asleep for one second. I got my eyes. I'm gonna be up for like two in the morning. No, to work at seven. Don't don't give excuses, dude. I didn't when I got caught. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all on me. Yeah, do what you well, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna get your thoughts. I wanna get your thoughts on like the periphery uh, animals leaders style kind of coming out. Like to me, it felt like that like made metal like very like the idea was to like kind of make it modern and fuck. I hate to say this and massive. That's like. Obviously, Massive. the package. You know, that was the best. There's product placement. Yeah, product. yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I, I, I want to say that there's like this kind of like ethos in the air. Like, you know, metal's cool. Metal is something. It doesn't make you an outsider to like. You can have like cool shirts and merch with it on. You know, it's like not an underground 
thing, but it's also not like super mainstream. It's like kind of hybridized kind of attitude about it. And it's been like incredibly successful, like, you know, that that kind of ethos and attitude about it. And I was just wondering, like, if you kind of relate to it in a way, because you're kind of, like you said, on the periphery of that scene. Yeah. Um, I mean, I definitely think they found a really kind of special thing is like you said the music isn't you know some basic bitch just easy pop music like there's a lot of stuff happening in it and especially like that first periphery record there's like some mm-hmm. really crazy riffs and really you know a lot of heavy musicality in it but they were able to package it in a way that could you know get to a lot of people and i think that's not necessarily an easy thing to do in a way yeah um i uh it, it, it's hard for me to say like how much maybe it's gotten people to like feel cooler about metal and maybe people outside of the, the metal world to accept it a little bit more, but it is cool to see that a, you know, sort of trendier style of music that's come up is involving music. That's like actually pretty involved and like has some pretty heavy stuff going on in it. Like, totally. like, like I think that. it got a lot of kids to want to play guitar for sure. Yeah, I mean, like with animals as leaders, like especially with a lot of like the the thumping stuff that Tosin is doing, he he really has his you know a very unique personality with that. Some of the stuff on that new record, like that single Monomyth, that shit is crazy. Like I yeah, totally, I tried I think, learning some of that stuff, and dude, it's it's really really hard. You know, I think their new one is possibly their best record, dude. Like I like them all, but fuck yeah, dude, this one is. It's like hard to not like it every time I put it on. I'm just like, this might be the best one, dude. Holy Absolutely. Shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for me, like there was, it was kind of hard to top that first one in some regards, just absolutely like, you know, it was so new at the time. And again, I had heard some of that stuff before it like really like blew up. So that was kind of my first uh, exposure to it, but I will agree. The new one is definitely it I, maybe it is my favorite you know maybe it's my second favorite to the first it's one definitely I don't know. a little more like a comeback because like madness of many was like very much like kind of a drummer showcase i feel like and they were like you know sure. throwing a lot of uh what matt added to the band and they kind of like brought back a little more of like the epicness of like the first couple records of mm-hmm. like the first in particular yeah was the, um, the, that's the, really cool you were around for that stuff was jo- the joy of motion that's what, what was the third one was called because yeah. it was like the, the original one weightless and then the third one whatever that's that right one. i like that one a lot like there was some really cool hooks on that and really s- some interesting stuff but yeah this new one is uh pretty i feel like such like a like an old school metal fan with them because you know same same kind of deal with me with uh you know like tosin was playing in born of osiris when we were on tour with them he like filled in last second Mm-hmm. And like had these old oh, this new band called Animals Leaders. And so I was listening to it and I was like, Jesus, man, it's pretty cool. I didn't yeah. know it was going to be as big as it was going to be, but I was like, that's fucking shredding, man. It's crazy. And oh, uh, dude, it's wild. Yeah. 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 And then, then we toured with them and they were playing right under us, too, which sucked even more. Like on Sunday <laughs> Slaughter, it was like, uh, it was like us, or no, it was uh, them and then us and then like, I don't know, Cephalic. It was or Vader, but... Vader first? Or no, um, sorry, not Vader. No, fucking... it was a Summer Slaughter. It was their first Summer Slaughter they did with Naveen was on drums. Vital and, Remains uh, first, right? Vital Remains first. That's right. What? But like hearing that and seeing the kids that showed up for that, for Animals as Leaders, like that for like that early on, um, it was like everyone was there for them. Like I was like, you guys are, this should be your guys' headlining like tour, you yeah. know? I think it was Decapitated was the headliner. Yeah, but um, dude, that yeah, man, that, they, was, that was right when they came back, right after uh, like Vitek had died. That was like one of the first tours. Yep, yep. 
it was the first headliner like it was like a comeback thing yeah it was a big comeback thing yeah so powerfully i was at the show in baltimore for that oh yeah where Um, where was the tour there sonar Sonar, yeah oh yeah 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 definitely yeah no that was that was awesome man i mean and seeing like what the new thing i mean like watching tosin just as like a like an opener guy (laughs) going like hey you want to jam out for a little while like and showing me these new techniques, I'm like, no, you're insane. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what like, you're doing right now. Yeah, he'd yeah. walk around. I remember the House of Blues and and um in Hollywood, he was walking around with this new technique that he just figured out. And he's just like he's he's mastering it because those guys, like I've talked about it many times on the podcast, those guys would show up to the fucking show. They would set up their fractals with their little PAs, and they would jam four or five hours, pack up, get ready for stage, play on stage get back off stage reset their shit up in the backstage and jam again for another until the end of the show they were like jamming for eight hours a day like it was that was just them just like walking around with the guitar like trying to figure shit out constantly like to me it was just i had never seen anyone like that like practice so much and like trying to find the new thing they're the first people with fractals i'd never seen fractals they Mm -hmm. were the like it's this new thing, and they had to like set it up on the screen and be like, "All right, so we got to put the thing." It was like the fractal, the first fractal. Like it was like these oh, little was the line six, the pod, the red one. It was, was it that one or was it a fractal? It was the original fractal. It was a okay. fractal one, but he had the pod as like a kind of like a practice thing he had there. Yeah. But like he was like showing me how to do it, and it was on screen through parameters that was it was basically like code, <laughs> like yeah. like like making your tone, you know, and. uh they were just all about it. Just like, this is the new thing. This is crazy. Well, blah, blah, blah. It's all about priorities, dude. I mean, when but we, they, he wanted it more than any, like Tosin wanted that's it what more I'm saying. than so anyone. You're, you're talking like, about like the guys that set up and jam for four or five hours before they play. And then afterwards they set up and, you know, there's bands that like practice. They're like, oh, we're worried about the show. So and we're going to practice. He's like us. learning we new show stuff. Up, we, we're just like, oh, we got here. Okay. What do we have to do? We have to load our shit out into the place. And then what are we going to do? We're going to go get drunk. We're going to go smoke <laughs> some weed. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. Go find some food. Then we're going to go smoke some more weed. It's, for us, it's like a celebration. Like all the, all the, <laughs> all the work we've done and stuff. It's like, oh, let's celebrate. More of a let's party. Have fun. Yeah. Let's have a, a fun time. Let's like not be all like, professional it's which he had that wavelength about him that was like professional like i want to do this the right way and yeah. just did hey, it the right way and that's why he's a world-renowned fucking shredder and he, yeah yeah i was in dropped out of high school so mm-hmm. dude i i and i want everybody anybody who's listening to this right drop now, out of high who, school yeah. man. Drop <laughs> out. quit, quit. quit. <laughs> just jam eight hours a day instead <laughs> No, if you're a fan of animals as leaders and you have not checked out Reflux, go back in time, oh, yeah. mm-hmm. people, because that's what Tosin was doing before all of that. You know, with Ash, Ash Advilson, yeah, 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 yeah. We've we've dropped it many times on this podcast, but there's a reason. Like you guys love Tosin, like there's more Tosin if yeah. you if you go back in time. I feel like Tosin should be like a Wooten brother, like well. Like the... so- he kind of so basically he learned a lot of that apparently that double thumping yeah. stuff from Evan Brewer who learned it Ooh, from, from Reggie Victor Wooten. So, Reggie Wooden the yeah, guitar player so yeah yeah in some ways I mean it's not like it's maybe like one step removed from like yeah totally there's this definitely. yeah that's what it is is Reflux is one of those bands that like all those uh, except for the drummer did the drummer move on to do something 
because he was a really sick drummer. Well, I mean, I, I know Dave Lozano was drumming for a little while, actually. I mean, Ash him. moved on to be one of the, you know, premier awesome. uh, show runners in California. A dude's living right? in mansions because of metal. Like, that's like the, I think he's like the only one that's ever done that. I think. Yeah. I think, and and I think he, like... he booked us on a few things and it was great working with Ash. And then Tosin obviously went on to Animals as Leaders. Evan is doing, he did Animosity. He did fucking, he's an now he's in Entheos right now. It's like, the faceless. That, that was one faceless. of those like little pods of greatness that, that exploded into all these different uh, greatness for <laughs> was, everybody, you know? I was talking to someone who's a guitarist that, is pretty well known but like you know like knows those guys really good and he was just like i don't know how they make that kind of money like are they like trust fund kids or something <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah it might be it's well, like that's they, not they you know, it's, also have a lot of these other businesses too you know like yeah. well, nowadays nowadays but like where did yeah, they yeah. come what did they come from oh uh, well i mean i know yeah, Misha exactly. like kind of comes from money a little yeah. bit you know, yeah like, yeah at least a lot of the periphery guys are kind of more from like the Bethesda area in Maryland, which is yeah. nicer. Um, so I think at least Misha comes from a little bit more money. I don't know specifically about Tosin, but you know, maybe yeah. that's I, my excuse with the periphery or not the periphery, the Polyphia guys. I'm like, Oh yeah, you guys seem like you guys were rich when you were kids and you got the best lessons ever. And it's like, well, it's like my excuse in my head. I'm like that's sure. why you're so insanely good. Yeah, <laughs> like, definitely. But is Polyphia still in this conversation? Cause they denounce they're, they're like the they're like the biggest band in that style right now. Yeah, but they saying. denounced right? it. Now they didn't. Did, oh no, they made uh, the, they said they something. Said you can't quirky. do metal if you want to make money. Well, they yeah, announced it. They made like a quirky yeah, comment. That, that, that's well, don't, don't we say that too? I mean, this <laughs> is exactly what I just want to just. I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna not back like Casey's statement right now and say, yes, not that's, mine. That's the whole point. It's not about the money. It's about the. Where's an Anthony the art. surge alert, dude? Not, <laughs> am I surging? I'm not surging. Well, dude, right now. You... I'm just piggybacking a point that Casey just made. So, yeah, pig, pig vocals? I can't keep track of all the polyphia periphery, pomonia publicity. was playing with periphery. I can't Is that like, like air freshener? Like, they both sound like great air fresheners for sure. No, Polyphia is definitely. I saw them yeah. a couple months ago, and I was like, they they sold sold out the a humongous place in San Francisco. There was a merch line that was wrapped into the audience. It was probably seventy yards long, and it yeah. was the whole fucking time. And there was the old... no metalheads there. There was zero metalheads there. It was all like these kids going like, oh, guitar and so like prog <laughs> stuff, and it was like. Yeah, so I was like, compl- I was like, what the fuck? When because we played with Wiffy, and I was like, they were it was like metal kind of focused, and now it's like they've they've yeah. found another niche, like or niche niche. Whatever right. you That's it. what I'm saying. That's fine. You find your yeah. other, your niche, but your don't talk shit about your roots. It doesn't. It's not about money. We're, well, yeah, but your roots okay. are not about. Not money. all of us corner purple, dude. But the thing <laughs> is, like, I'm always trying to figure out like which one is which, and I'm like, what what's the one with the dude with the neck, the tattoo, <laughs> That's Bluffy. Yeah. Bluffy. All right. You know, it's like, and oh, man, I feel like comments like that a lot of times he might just be just trying to stir the pot. 
just like getting people worked up so that, that like yeah they, obviously it's almost out of context too. Like spicy spicy level, that's like spicy it's, level two that's working the algorithm yeah. which is just basically and out of context metal more take a quote more take a quote in the middle of an interview he's just all like oh well, what laughing about it so but you don't see the laughing about it. it's like nope let's cut it here and here and yeah. let's throw it in it's like oh metal is for all right dude <laughs> let's figure out how to make cali death uh figure out the algor- algorithm right now dude we should use kelly death like for metal, metal podcasting sucks dude <laughs> <laughs> that's it right there we'll just cut that up one post, post that on your instagram and there you go <laughs> so God. when did sven golly get started that was much you. more recently um yeah back okay. on topic uh, uh that yeah. that was much more recently so like that i've I released an ep in 2020 of uh some music that I sort of had kind of originally written maybe with exist in mind. It was music that I was kind of just writing on my own just to do anyway. And I, you know, would present it to Max and if it fit on an album, maybe it would get used. But some of that stuff uh, was music that hadn't gotten used that I liked enough that I didn't want to have it just stay as a guitar profile on my computer. Um, sure. So I uh, released that EP in 2020, and right now I'm maybe like 60 to 70% done with an album, but with working mostly as a sideman, you know, like for Malignancy or Obscure or whatever, my time gets stretched thin. <laughs> all over the place and it laughs in drummer (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly it's it's very kind of similar to that sort of thing where it can be hard to make cries in rhythm section yeah because especially as a bass player and and a drummer too it's like and with the other you know music that i play back home it's like most of the time i'm a a sideman most of the time i'm getting hired for these different gigs and not you know, having to learn this person's music and then this person's music and then that set and then this set. And it's kind of, it goes all over the place. So it can be a lot of juggling and you can end up not spending as much time on your own stuff as you'd want to, you know, obviously putting an album together is kind of a monumental feat to begin with. But if you only have very small chunks of time to be able to do it, it can kind of get stretched out pretty far. So Um, it's not like this is like your high school like dream band that you're finally kind of putting together. It's more like you've kind of just built up a few ideas along the way and you're like have an outlet for it at this point. I mean, there it definitely wasn't something that I've like been doing for my entire life. It's definitely not been that kind of thing. Um, I mean, I had had the desire to kind of do more of, you know, my own thing in, uh, you know, some regard for a little while, but it's only been maybe within the last like four, five years or so that that feeling has really started kind of, you know, bubbling up more and more. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's definitely a fairly recent thing because Exist had been mo- pretty much my main band for a long time. Like there was another band I had back in high school called Wisteria that, um, I was the front man for and uh, was kind of like my first like main band. Um, but and then that and exists. that's a plant, right? That is, that, is a, that is a flower. Yeah. Um, nice. It was also a street name in the uh, the town that I grew up in. And that's where that name came from. Um, What's the what? Wait, the, let's tell everybody what a wisteria is, because you got to tell me again. Is it, what color is it? It's like the color of your sweatshirt. Like, oh, like, like I could maybe nice. say that's a wisteria colored sweatshirt. Oh, what's up, dude? Wisteria. 
That's right. Yeah, Theme like the Cali Death podcast tonight. It's like a purplish kind of flower or something. Okay. Um, but uh, so that that was sort of like my first main band, like in high school. But then uh, that sort of fell apart and exists. Just continued to keep on going, and my mm-hmm. musical interests also aligned a little bit more with exist because like wisteria had started off sort of as like prog metal you know like death or orphan land because like the drummer was armenian and tried to incorporate a lot of elements of like traditional armenian music in the in the music um so it was kind of more like on that side of the spectrum you know like we had like covered a nile song at one point Mm -hmm. like i had taken this one armenian i guess it was kind of like an armenian folk song and like i arranged it into like a metal track so we like were kind of doing stuff like that a little bit uh but then i started getting into fusion and jazz and more like prog metal like that and that's the same stuff that max was into and we were kind of doing with exist so i kind of just gravitated more in that direction anyway Mm-hmm. So have you been writing uh, material for Exist the whole time it's been around? A little bit. I mean, Max is still definitely the main composer for that. Okay. Um, they're like on So True, So Bound, which was our second record. I wrote one of the tunes. Um, I've written a couple riffs here and there. On the new album, there's one song that Max wrote that was based off of a bunch of these main riffs that I kind of gave to him. Um so it's still been the vast majority of it is max uh, the whole time. But, you know, I'll write my own bass parts and add things like that to it. Um, I saw so, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry, Professor. I just wanted to get this out real quick before we move on. Um, what does Svengali mean? So Svengali was a character from a uh, George de Maurier novel from the 1800s called Trilby. And mm. Svengali's basically like he's kind he's sort of a musician he's kind of like an evil character and basically the whole plot of the story is trilby is this young girl who um you know is living in i think it's france it's it's like france or germany some european country and sort of like a bohemian kind of environment like she like wants to be a singer but she's really terrible and she meets svengali who is this basically this like evil magician musician kind of spirit sort of thing and he puts her in a spell and she becomes like an amazing like world-class opera singer and so Mm. she gets super famous off of that but it's this really toxic fucked up relationship that it without him she wouldn't have been famous and the whole relationship really bad everybody dies in the end um so it's like really really kind of messed up but i feel like it's kind of a cool analogy for sometimes like the torture artist kind of thing you know mm. and the things that we deal with sometimes um just as musicians and artists or just as human beings and like kind of zooming in the microscope on ourselves all the time can kind of open up some of these cans of worms that can be hard to deal with you know i love it dude i love it so yeah, I originally found the name from uh, so Gil Evans is this uh, arranger, and I guess he also played a little piano too. But he was mostly known as being a uh, jazz arranger who worked with uh, Miles Davis. Yeah, and uh, on one of his albums, I think he has an album called Svengali. I can't remember if it's the album or if he has a song on it. And I remember finding that back in college, and for some reason that name kind of just stuck with me because it's sort of a unique looking word anyway. Um, yeah. And then uh, 
I forgot about it. Then it popped up a couple years later and then I looked into it and found the story and everything. And uh, it was like, wow, that's actually pretty cool. And yeah, it's an album, a live album. Yeah, exactly. We're all Googling it. Yep. Um, yep. But yeah, if you haven't checked out any of Gil Evans' music, he's a, he was an amazing... Yeah, Sketches of Spain. Exactly, yeah. Like those... Oh, yeah, that's right. That's Miles Davis records yeah. are all um, him. That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he had like a impact on like the birth of the cool stuff, mm-hmm. like that sort of era of jazz. But um, so that's where I originally found the name out. And I was like, man, that actually would be a really sick band name. And the whole story behind it's like kind of metal. Right, like, right, awesome. right. Yeah. Um, the logo is fucking super sick. When I was making the flyer, I was like, that's actually uh, break the fourth wall. That that was something that Joseph sent to us, like best logo ever or yeah (laughs) i appreciate that yeah the guy who uh did the artwork for the last two exist records made that like i had kind of presented some like rough sketches to him of like sort of shapes of like a like a maybe a logo layout that i kind of liked Mm -hmm. um and then he just like threw a bunch of ideas at me and we kind of put together uh, that logo from these things. Like he's this amazing artist named Sebastian Jerka. He's this uh, German guy um, that hasn't really done that much in like the bigger metal world. Like he did a, an Ahab cover, you know, that like Doom uh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. band. Um, that's where I originally had found him from was just looking through album covers. We're like, whoa, that's really unique. And uh kind of different for a funeral doom band um but uh yeah he's an amazing artist and he was the one that basically put the logo together with me i have it on in my headphones right now very sick <laughs> what the, the ahab no. record no this Bengali record oh killer yeah thank yeah. you yeah, yeah i had a great time with that record today dude i Thanks, really man. did yeah i've, I've oh. been really trying to in the little pockets of time that i have right on it because like for instance the beginning of next year, I'm basically going to be gone for four months. Like I've got that malignancy tour in January. Obscura is then doing 70,000 tons right after that. Then Obscura has that North America tour with flesh God apocalypse. Um, and so it's this like stuff that's just back to back and I just like, won't be home ever. So it kind of like, I'm glad to be doing that stuff, but it's like, shit, man, you know, I want some time to be able to write, you know? Um, so making time, to put that together is uh you know it's kind of a challenge you yeah. know other stuff i have going on for sure um, dude. Oh, dude. so that malignancy run um one of the bands i've been talking to uh mentioned that being an opportunity so that could be very sick but i have not i cannot share anything about it yet but uh, <laughs> well, cool, now, Wait, what are the bands you playing one of the bands i have been talking to about playing oh, that you would be playing are, in maybe you're well, a that, sneaky that sounds you know, enticing dying fetus <laughs> that you yeah. would penis. possibly be playing yeah. in maybe not maybe oh, so, you guys are playing maybe. you guys are ending the tour in santa cruz by the way or i think around santa cruz that's just a place like yeah uh, it's around either around there i think it, it's either sacramento or santa cruz i can't remember which one it is well but... we will hang out in santa cruz that's where we're at or oh, I'm, yeah. At. Yeah, 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 I'm glad that that tour is finally happening because basically since I've been in malignancy, I've been trying to like get defeated to do a tour or malignancy to do a tour with defeated. Cause that just, this is makes sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's a killer lineup and yeah. it's, you know, just a great bunch of dudes. That'll be the blue lagoon. 
That, uh, yeah, yeah. The last show yeah. of the uh, I saw this. The last show of the defeated Millennium Sea tour ends at the Blue Lagoon. And you know what's funny is who uh, who called I really want to be at that, dude. Uh, uh, Joel Haston. Uh, yeah, obviously, I love Joel Haston. He was uh, he called me. He's like, do you think uh, it was gives me the call whenever it's like Joel a death note, like a. Kick. He's old. Do you think uh, this this show will do good in Santa Cruz? Because he's always he wants to bring death metal to Santa Cruz. That's his main yeah. thing, and he he's done a really good job of it. I mean, I think the Obscura thing was him too. Yeah. But like, he's always like, "Is this gonna? Do you think should I pay for this? Should I do this? Like for death metal? Because he's like more of a metal like, core, kind of like a metal core, death core kind of guy, you know. But he mm-hmm. likes death metal. Like he's a fan of it, and like he doesn't know what will do good in certain places. So he's yeah. like. And I'm like, I, I'm all bring it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> like, and I was like, there's been certain times where it just blows up, like in Santa Cruz, where it's in like, yeah. it was Ghoul played here a couple weeks ago, or I mean, it was Halloween. Never mind. Ghoul we, and Halloween. We had a guy recently so on the show that like sold knows out. The guy that's in that band. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's probably in the chat, but uh, <laughs> is he? He's the drum tech, maybe that maybe <laughs> plays drums for the band. I don't know. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Oh, dude, you're one eye. You just fucking pirated. I one eye because I can't see you guys. From I was the looking at that thing. You can put your glasses you back on. Me. Okay, put your glasses back on. Back on. Well, if he Thank puts you. his glasses back on, then we won't know if he's awake. You guys, so that's, what, that's why you wore him, dude. He's trying to hide. He wants the reflection hiding. Look at that. <laughs> that's why he brought those. That's why he brought them. I'm like, why the fuck are you bringing these glasses? Gabe Sieber like shamed him into 108 episodes. Episodes, all of a sudden they got glasses the i know dude because that's I've a been... good move though i can't tell dude so the malignancy right. stuff um like the open eyes just what's like... uh yeah what's it like playing the malignancy set because that yeah. shit is just out of control it's uh out really, of control. it's a different experience than yeah. a, a lot of other death metal like i almost equate playing with malignancy like you're playing free jazz in a way because of the way that the the way that that music deals with time that it's yeah. not this very like computerized metronomic always perfectly on the grid kind of thing. It's this stuff that really breathes and even like within one riff the tempo might go like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Really like breathing. organic breathing kind of so pushing sort of thing. So you always have to be on your toes. You know, like I can't, you know, like zone out and like think about doing my laundry later that <laughs> night playing that music like you have to be right on it um you know obviously we're not playing to a clicking a clicking track a click track (laughs) um or any backing tracks um so you know you don't have the safety net of that so it's like you're i'm really having to listen to everything that ronnie does or uh what alex has been doing i mean mike heller is going to be doing this uh oh fuck are you serious that'll be oh i've never played with mike before i've been in malignancy for two years and i i just met him earlier this year and i've never played with him so that'll, that'll be uh it's like almost a completely different band you know it's and it's kind of interesting that um I played a gig with Malignancy a couple weeks ago and Angel from uh, Demolition Hammer played drums on it. Yeah, I heard Um, about that. Yeah, and it was great playing with him. Again, it's kind of a different thing. So it's this very, like, you see people's personalities more in a Mm -hmm. situation like that. Like Angel, Alex, and Mike, it's going to be almost like an entirely different band. You know, like like a different experience in a way because the way that those guys, like, sort of play some of the riffs you know like mike might like blast like hyper blast through something like super super fast whereas alex might like kind of lay back and do something a little bit different with it so it's like mm-hmm. this really elastic 
and organic experience that doesn't really happen in a lot of death metal. So it's, uh, I, I really like it a lot. And it, totally. like I said, it kind of, there's a lot of it that I sort of can relate to my experience with jazz and improvised music, you know, because mm-hmm. a lot of like the sensibilities that I had to use for like following people or really like paying attention and listening deeply into how somebody's like playing time. I'm doing that in malignancy, you know? So it's, uh, it's pretty cool. It, it can be really chaotic. It's like getting thrown out of an, thrown out of an airplane. Yeah. Like, and with the way that those sets flow, it's kind of funny because Danny is hilarious on stage. Yeah. Um, and uh you know so like it's like half comedy show half death metal and so like danny will be just like you know shooting the shit saying stupid stuff on stage and then it'll immediately just cut to alex going and it's just like getting thrown out of an airplane for two minutes then it stops and then it's like a comedy show again and then right back to it so it's this really hilarious like uh flow of energy the whole time too so it's uh it's fun i I like I like playing uh, with them a lot, and I'm glad that um, you know we're finally doing some kind of tour. You know, because mm-hmm. we, we've done some festivals and some weekend runs, but they don't really. I don't think they really have the time to really be touring that much because you know Ronnie works for the sewer department in New York, and I think Danny's maybe doing like HVAC now. So it's like they have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, more like normal jobs that I don't think they can kind of get away from quite as much anymore yeah right mike's been um mike obviously you know fear factory and you know other big gigs what was the latest wasn't he playing like for some like big german thrash band recently or something in raven recently raven yeah dude Mm -hmm. that sounds like a fun gig what style is raven it's kind of like like he was saying it's sort of like thrash kind of like i don't know if i'd like call it power metal but it's like like 80s metal kind of yeah exactly expected to be power metal heavy metal or whatever oh yeah yeah, i guess yeah that's that's probably a better way like anvil yeah i think so yeah (laughs) sure it's 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 definitely not death metal all those like five letter bands raven anvil you know exactly (laughs) (laughs) except it's not five letters (laughs) but uh, how how do you go from like going from a band that's like to a meter to a you know to a click to playing to a free forming breathing band like how don't you have to like practice with the band that's not on a click and free way more than you would with one with the click i mean it, it really depends so for me like most of my gigs back home i don't rehearse for them ever you know like i like do a lot of wedding gigs where we don't rehearse or like obviously any of the jazz gigs that i do i don't rehearse for those either because like you can't really rehearse for that sort of thing in the same sort of way so I'm I've been used to basically just jumping in. Mike Heller loves peanut butter ice cream from okay. uh... it's a good, good random fact. <laughs> um, I'll remember that. If I piss him off one day. I'll just, you know, hand him a carton of peanut butter ice cream and hopefully that'll, you know, make everything right with the world. Um, but so most of my gigs, I'm kind of used to just having to jump in with random people i've never played with before or never rehearsed yeah yes okay so you're used to that used to that kind of like awkward improv yeah i i'm definitely used to that and like that's one thing that being exposed to jazz and having the experience that i've had with like being a gigging jazz musician has really helped out you know or like when i played with defeated sanity like if i hadn't had the experience with jazz that i did that gig would have been impossible 
Okay. Know? Yeah. So um, you 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 walked you walk into a like a, a situation like that of a bunch of musicians you haven't rehearsed or anything. Are you kind of like fuck yeah, let's do this? Or are you like, what are we gonna do? Like, what's the oh, mindset going into it? That's like one of my favorite things ever. You know, like yeah, yeah. having that like like danger in the music. Okay. Okay. So you're still like it's yeah i mean sure there's like some nerves and it like like for instance playing with mike like i don't totally know what to expect and i know he likes to play really fast so there's going to be some stuff where i'm like dude i hope i can hang with that yeah. um but it's kind of like like i like the danger in that like some of my like most fun gigs that i've ever had playing like the band feels like it's about to fall apart like if it's like this very like like perfectly choreographed thing like walking on a tightrope that if one of us slips up at all the train is just going to completely explode and come off the tracks like that sense of danger is kind of really fun and do you find like a do you you smile in that environment like if you're about to fall off the tracks like it's fun like it's a fun thing it i mean obviously it's a situational thing because if somebody's like very clearly like okay this person didn't really practice and it's yeah, not yeah. like an artistic reason why this is happening. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That makes then sense. it's not good. You know, I don't like playing with like shitty musicians that like can't hold their things together. That's not totally. Yeah, yeah. It's more like an energy thing. It's like, like, have you ever seen those videos of that guy who like broke one of the land speed records for biking down the side of a mountain, like biking down the side of like, a it's like, he's wearing one of those like crazy, like, oh, yeah, like yeah. painted helmets. Alien. Yeah. Yeah. It like it feels like that, like when I'm playing that. Like shit, (laughs) like I'm going like 200 miles an hour. (laughs) It wasn't 200. What was the actual miles? 200 miles an hour. I think it might have been. It was like 180 or something. Like it was 180. A dude was on a mountain bike going down, and it exploded when he was driving. Like the wheel just fell off, and he flew like. Like well, you, so we could, you probably read the story through uh, Anthony's glasses right now if you look closer. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> exactly. I can't remember what the name of the guy is, but I'm sure you could find it online. Like watching the video of him fall Jesus. off his bike like that, it's the dude. It's, I need to see you guys. Sorry, it's so like it makes your balls like fall off. It's just, oh like, god. Oh. And like so you're talking about like you're just you're, you're on this thing you're like fuck yeah fuck yeah you just don't want to hit that one rock where the one guy doesn't know what he's doing yeah that, that's a, that's totally, like a rock yeah, exactly. yeah yeah exactly so it's like you know obviously you 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 want to be playing with people that are good but it's like this like this real sense of danger of like this could completely come off the rails at any point yeah. and we're all like organically making this happen but good it. also could be like shredding but another form of good is like recovering. Like recovering from a weird that's well, that's that another form of good. You that know, happens like... with, with with that. That sometimes because of how like loose some of that music is, like there yeah. are certain rhythms I don't know how to write down on paper. You know, like yeah, yeah. I, I I know music theory enough that I can write down kind of just about anything like rhythmically correctly, but there are certain things with malignancy where it's like I don't know actually how to write that because it's it's like gestural, you know. It's like yeah. Like try writing down the rhythm of my speech like, right now. Like you know, played, yeah. played freely. Or yeah, exactly. Or like like there's yeah. this uh, jazz drummer named Paul Motion that a lot of his tunes, the lead sheets that he'd write out had like loose rhythms on it where it was like okay, kind of shaped like what the phrase would be like, but you would have to hear him play it or somebody else play it to really understand it. It's like mm-hmm. just like it's like this gestural, like spoken, organic kind of thing that you can't really mm-hmm. write down in any kind of like intellectualized kind of way. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's um, just too free for it. Yeah. 
Yeah, or it just it like again, like the Bill Evans analogy I used earlier about the guy that transcribed the shit he played. It's like, well, it's kind of not like what he's really thinking about. So what's the point of trying in a way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, been one of the most fun things mm-hmm. about playing in malignancy is it just feels like this very like open, like kind of rock and roll sort of thing where like, you know, we'll just get up on stage and just like fucking let it rip. You know, it's not this like very like controlled environment at all and then when there's like a decision made that where like a speed has changed or a tempo has changed or like a something changes a little bit but everyone locks onto it you guys are like fuck yes yeah we have to listen to each other yeah yeah that'll happen sometimes maybe alex will come out of a fill to like earlier than he did before or maybe Mm. like ronnie will ronnie and me will start splitting up and then we have to like catch each other again yeah so that um happens every gig there's something like that that happens that in some ways you could look at that as maybe being sloppiness but with how loose and gestural the music is that's just gonna happen you know yeah um definitely you know so it's just kind of the the sort of the nature of the beast with that or if you listen to like jazz and improvising music there's a lot of stuff that isn't like perfect like like necrophagist or like tech right. or like that but it's still it doesn't sound bad you know it's yeah yeah or loose and kind of wavelength kind of looseness yeah it's when you get that that mentality of okay i'm gonna listen to people who are trying to create something in the moment i i give you know a little bit of leeway to yeah those musicians What was at the bottom? I didn't even see it. I'm making a good point. I didn't say it in any slurred way. It's just I'm not surging at all. I just like it when they do it like that, man. Plotline is my band from high school. Yeah. Casey's going through all of them. (laughs) No, but I mean, it it really is uh, when but to be the the listener in the audience for something like that, you do have to actually be ready for something like that. Something yeah. where the artists are, you know, uh, exploring and finding themselves in the same moment. Um, it's not a perfect thing. It's well, not like yeah. Joe. Here's something. And like, for instance, that summer slaughter that you were talking about that uh, decapitated was on. I think Necrophagist was also on that one. No, that was the one. That was the year before we did that, that one was the year too. Before. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw Necrophagist on that one, and they were boring as fuck. Like there was no energy in it. Like they played absolutely perfectly, and the but they were statues. Good. But it was just like, and it's not even just like a, a visual kind of thing. It's this like it's a, a an emotional kind of like connection sort of thing. Like you know, like when you talk to somebody that like either just like feels really distant or you feel like you're like, they're not really like paying attention to what you're saying or um, somebody that just feels like they're kind of checked out or like faking it or whatever. It just felt like that to me where like another show, like they're just doing another show. It wasn't like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So it was like, technically it was perfect. Like they sounded really good, but Mm. I just like wanted to go to sleep. It's like, well, dude, why did I even come to the show? I just put the album on in my house and just drink a beer on my couch. Like it's not a a different thing at all, you know? And it is very, it's much more exciting to see and you don't see it too much in the metal community, but a, a, a band that you go out that wants to expand 
what you've already heard. They yep. want to um, explode the song or the songs that you already know so well and, and make them bigger and better for the or live. Just do something different with it. Like I yeah. saw Necrophages once, I think it was in 2007, Marco Miniman. Marco Miniman, yeah. Dude, that was my favorite time seeing Necrophages and the stuff that Marco did with those tunes. It it elevated them. It made them it so was much every, better. Every day it was different too, was what yeah. I heard from them. It was but, like he just was freestyling, whatever. He knew the beats, he knew the rhythms, but like he'd be like, ah, I'm going to do this beat over it. Yeah, which is that's the shit to me. That's that's yeah, like yeah. What I want to strive for, but apparently Muhammad hated it. Mm, well, there was times yeah. where it didn't make sense. I was watching. I was on mushrooms with Dan Kenny, but um, <laughs> there was uh, there was times where it didn't really make sense because I mean, also too, it's like uh, it comes down to the you know they bought the tickets to watch the songs, and now the yeah. songs are like instead of a blast beat, it's all he's like doing like weird like like it's not the it's not building up to the the part that we knew. It's like mm-hmm. becoming a new part. Which yeah. the fact that he can do that is banana town. Like I have no idea yeah. how he does that, <laughs> but the fucking you know it's not like necrophages. Sure. So you know it's like people mm-hmm. want their Slayer. They want their they want their like they want their thing that they've listened to, and that's why they're there. And uh, I could see why because I saw Muhammad looking back. I'm like, the fuck is going on back there? But it's like yeah. you know you have one of the best drummers back there in the world, but he's not a death yeah. metal drummer. You like yeah. hired. I know he's from Germany. I get it. But like you're hiring one of the best drummers, like prog drummers in the world, that's not doesn't care about death metal at all. He's just yeah. a musician. Like yeah. he's like one of the top musicians in the. I just saw the Aristocrats. We talked about it last podcast, and yeah. I was like fucking, like wanted to walk out of there. Like, I was so mad. It's so good. Yeah. Just like fuck it is pretty guys. amazing though that Marco had the death metal chops to be able to hang with that. Oh, stuff. I know, I know. I had no idea he could do that. Because, like, it's it's one thing to just, you know, have a musical understanding of different time signatures and whatever. But, like, you don't just wake up one day and, like, be able to blast it, like, 280. You know, yeah, yeah. Have, well, like, we, what we've talked about all night is not having the understanding. <laughs> just going and doing it, dude. Yeah. You just go and do it before you have the understanding. Or, but, like, the physicality of like being able to just pull that off i don't know how much time he had to shed that before or how much like prior yeah that's also like yeah just your ten thousand hours type deal that's so no but he didn't have the 10 that's the weird thing about him is that he like it's marco miniman so obviously like he's like oh let's just hire marco miniman to do because it was like a last second thing i almost i don't I don't. I don't remember what the nature of it was but it definitely honest it was between the honest and uh roman a romaine yeah, kind of like switch on, off yeah. and uh i think it was like the switch off between that and he's like oh we'll just fucking like knowing because we toured with uh necrophage just like knowing muhammad's like, we'll fucking get mark Maron. fuck it like you know like <laughs> yeah. like you know like we'll get the best drummer in the world fuck you. he's from germany yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no it was uh i mean watching i mean touring with them and watching them every night was like they, they were such on a different level like it was it was but also too I did. I did feel kind of like a, a stagnant kind of like force from them. It wasn't like they weren't. It was, anyways. I don't want to give too much information, but it was, there was a force sure. in the band that was kind of a lot I of people yeah. weren't happy with, and it was you could feel it in the band a little bit. Yeah, Christian has told me some <laughs> Does, stories. Like that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, you knew. Yeah, exactly. I mean, our our buddy was a uh, you know uh, drum tech for them at the time, and mm-hmm. uh, he did drum tech for Suffo as well. But. Yeah. uh the, yeah, he was, was like, the oh force dude, rhyme dude, with Shimshamid. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
I don't know no. what you're talking about. And he was, by the way, he was like super nice to us. Like we were getting praise from him. He was walking on stage while we're doing sound check and just filming us. And we're like, oh, it's fucking awesome. Like he was, and I was like, what the fuck? This is like my dream come true. This is like Muhammad, like wanting to film us. Like it's what was in the crap at the time. They was like, oh, yeah. dude, you guys are fucking sick. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck? What? Like you're the reason why I'm here. Like this is the weirdest thing ever. And, uh, and yeah, other other people were like, yeah, it's because like he's known as an asshole now, so he has to be nice to everyone. <laughs> mm. I probably <laughs> saw you guys on. So that was the Marco tour that you were with, decrepit. Oh no no no! I just saw oh. that live. Um, uh, okay, it was I, yeah, it was a, it was a summer slaughter with Necrophages and Dying Fetus and suffocation. Yeah, so the okay, then I definitely saw that tour wherever that was. If it was Jax or Sonar, I don't remember. But um, yeah, yeah, but uh. Shout yeah. out Jax again, dude. Oh, dude I, I definitely miss Jax in a way. Like I said, it was kind of a shithole, but it was like the first venue that I played a legit show at. You know, like yeah, no, I have. Well, this really... is the thing when you're on tour and it, there's these little beacons of light that happen on tour. You know, where there's a good crowd that wants to buy merch, and then you're like, oh shit, we can totally do this further into the yeah. tour mm-hmm. you're yeah, almost starving enough. you're almost starving yeah. and then yeah. you show up to a place like jack's and they'll spend 700 in merch and you're like wait oh <laughs> yeah I, it's a reminder yes we got to yeah. keep going jack's has always been like one of those places that has hit us good like there's always been this energy at jack's that was like mm-hmm. excitement and like i yeah i have so many memories i've probably played there five or six times but yeah. like so many memories of just like good crowds, people stoked, people like like amping up, like oh shit, they're coming, like and like the crowd being like so loud, like oh shit, I didn't know Virginia threw it down so hard. I remember one time yeah. someone after the show or I forget, but I remember the White House is like right there. It's pretty close. I mean, it's not like right there, right there, but it's it's yeah. definitely not. It's like thirty far. minutes away. It's like right from. I mean, geographically, it's not very far, but with how like that area can be with traffic, it can take you anywhere from thirty minutes to like three hours. Yeah, what's up with those? No, we're going in the super weeds, literally. But those those roads, <laughs> and those back roads, you know, like in Virginia, where you're just all of a sudden on these roads where it's like these old houses where it looks like Gettysburg happened the whole time. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's like this, these two lane roads, there's a one way direction direction. And there's like these houses that look like they're from the fucking 1700s. And mm-hmm. it's just, the, it's just nothing but that. And just like, you know, the amber waves of grain or whatever, like just everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> this purple mountains majesty. Everywhere. But uh, yeah, there, it, there are definitely a lot of rural areas outside of those cities. I mean, you know, most of Maryland and Northern Virginia is pretty developed, but like I'll play a lot of uh, wedding gigs out like in wineries in Virginia and driving oh, yeah. a lot of those. It's the same thing where it's like, dude, this is in the middle of fucking nowhere. Like, this yeah, is yeah. You know, the nation's capital is only like, you know, maybe 20 miles, 30 miles away from here. Like, this is pretty wild. Yeah, it's a trip. What do you guys what do you guys plan on those gigs like Blue Note Jazz Standards? Or... Oh, no. On the wedding gigs, we're playing like fucking top 40 shit like Taylor Swift and Lizzo. Yeah, fucking, yeah. You know, garbage like that. And you're the getting, ha- the hamburger, you're getting hammer dad's like ZZ Top. You let your hair you let your hair down for those? Oh, headbanging, helicoptering the whole time. You know? <laughs> on my cabinet, just get really drunk and play, shake it off, you know. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I wish I could do that. Um, but uh, I mean, those gigs are super easy. And at this point, like I've been doing them for 
like over 10 years at this yeah. point. So I really have you to gotta, learn. You got to have that steady cash flow, dude. And dude, I mean, they, they paid really well. So it get definitely. And also the company I work for is really cool with subbing gigs out, you know, because there are some wedding bands that are either they have like an exclusivity contract that like if they if you have a gig with that band on a certain day, you can't take anything else. Um, or they could like sue you or whatever. Wow. Um, so some bands are like that. Some bands are just kind of like weird about subbing out where like it's more of like a set unit. Uh, whereas the company I work for is more of a pool of musicians in a certain area that like, like I, for instance, I have a gig with them tomorrow that on that day, there are going to probably be at least maybe four or five other bands with the same name out just under the same company, but it's just different musicians. Wow. Uh, and talking about you know going into a situation cold with you know people you haven't played with before the bands are never the same you know i've played with i think everybody who's on the gig tomorrow but that band that is going to play has never played as a band before so it's this kind of thing where you're just expected to know the tunes like they are on the record and you show up and play it you know so have they ever called it a song where you just don't you 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 know the song you've heard it on the radio one million times but and you know you have your instruments so locked in that you're like, oh, I know what they're doing. Like right away. Uh, like before you have to play it, you're like, all right, well, I know, I know the, I know the rhythm. I know like where the. I'm notes gonna say are. no. I'm gonna say no right I'm now. Say- it it really it depends. Most of the time, no. Um, okay, but yeah. sometimes it like certain pop songs are easy enough where it's like, okay, I'll hear my way through that. You know, yeah, yeah. And like that's where like ear training really comes in handy. You know, like with the like jazz experience or like I have to transcribe. I'll, all of these tunes, you know, like I'll make these charts, like I'm transcribing some Christmas music for tomorrow. Fucking exciting. <laughs> but, you know, nice, I'll, dude. I'll write, you know, a bunch of charts like that out. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so at this point, I've like transcribed. I think last time I looked, it was like 965 of like pop tunes for these gigs that I've done. So it's like it's even though harmonically it's not really complicated, you know, it's not like transcribing a necrophages song. It is good work with just basic ear training you know Mm. like i can listen to a song and just know what the chord progression is without even picking up my bass because most pop music kind of functions in a similar way where it's like what you're talking about where if somebody like played through a song to me one time i might be able to pick it up or as it's happening i might be able to guess that okay it's gonna go to that chord right now or i want you to learn donnie holloway's this christmas for me and i want to hear you no. pay money. No. He's a, he's a musician. I'm playing Christina Aguilera's version of that song tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> and then, that Donnie and tell me, it's not it's not easy, right? Well, the Christina Aguilera one's not because the bass part's you know kind of funky and whatever um, in it. Uh, that's my favorite Christmas song. Man. But literally, I've yeah, even I'm heard it. That tomorrow, so that's really funny. Um, but uh, but yeah, so it's it's kind of nice with that company because I can sub gigs out no problem. Like if I get a tour that comes out, it's I'm just like, okay, see you guys. Cause they have like 20 other bass players that they could fill that slot with, you know? Damn, what a um, trip. So it's really uh it gives me a lot of freedom in a way, you know. Um, and uh, you know, there are some wedding bands or some event bands in the area that like the gigs might pay. Uh <laughs> does that mean I need to take them off, dude? Should I take them back off? Dude? No, I think I think it's the the, the wood paneling behind you. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can't I can't change that. Nothing yeah. to do with the hat though. 
No, no, I need a green screen like Ian McDonald, dude. Yeah, I, I saw the, the clip of that. That was pretty funny. <laughs> so what is your favorite uh song in the the, the the that always gets played at the wedding? What's the one where you're like, all right, this is why I do it because it's fun to play yeah. this song. Yeah, or this is why I do this. Yeah. I don't know if there's any song that gives me that feeling, but okay. um I mean there are some that have more active bass parts in it like there's a lot of the a lot of these pop a lot of these pop tunes that are kind of doing this like retro like motown like old school funk kind of whatever throwback. i noticed the lizzo stuff does that yeah like i have to, i have to play that song about damn time tomorrow yeah that song i've taught Which, that on bass it's fun it's i mean there's definitely like some cool stuff happening in it or like some of the bruno mars tunes can kind of be like that um so some of those that are more like band oriented songs. There's a lot of pop music now that like doesn't really make sense to play as a band because of how it's produced in a studio and how basically, yeah, definitely the paneling um, that, <laughs> you know, it's like a drum machine or like synth bass or yeah. like there really isn't even much of a band. So it kind of just it doesn't make sense to have a band play it. Whereas like we'll do a lot of Motown stuff, which obviously that was played oh, by an actor. You're hitting me in the feels right there. Oh man. Yeah. Um, so uh, and it's cool to see that a lot of, uh, you know, people closer to our age and even younger still listen to some of that stuff, you know, oh, or yeah. still like like hearing it. Because some people I wouldn't be surprised if they're like, ew, Stevie Wonder, like, who is so, that? You know? So as people because these are wedding gigs, so like, you know, these are people getting married. So they're probably like starting to get closer to the age of like you and me, like, you know, mm -hmm. like early 30s. So. Are you starting to see like the the tastes of the 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 bride and groom or whoever the organizers are like start to inform uh, or like start to change over time as you know generational change in that a, a little bit. I mean, like yeah. I've, I've only been doing it for about ten years, so I you know you see some changes happening in there, mm -hmm. but I you know I definitely am noticing a lot of uh, like '90s music. Happening. That's what I was gonna ask about yeah. specifically. Like, yeah. Like I do a lot of pop punk, you know, like we'll do uh, like some Blink-182 songs. Or they probably want to hear Fall Out Boy and shit. Sugar, we're going down. I have to play that all the time. Yeah. Um, or like some like Backstreet Boys and NSYNC and like any stuff. Off like any Offspring Smash? No, I haven't had to do that. <laughs> You're do done, bro. You got shot down. <laughs> I'm way too old. Yeah, I have had to do All Star. That Smash Mouth. Yeah, no, but what is what is weird about that that uh? thing that happens and it happens over and over again which is we're in 2022 about to be in 2023 but the 90s are starting to come back again oh yeah you know well i think it's like, like you know it's the nostalgia thing for like people yeah. our age that were it is that you know like like a lot of our parents are just like oh yeah you know music from the 60s and 70s was the best but it's like well you're just in the position that we were in and we're just yep. saying the same thing about the music that we were listening to when we were younger. But yeah, it, we, it, have, we have, we have it, such it, a leg up on them though. We have such a leg up in, though. Cause we get all, we get all that classic shit and then we get the new shit. We get the nineties shit and we get the eighties shit. We get the, the new shit. We get like, yeah, we're in a radio. They had the radio going like, okay, we have sick. a I'm, much wider exposure to all of this different stuff where yeah, like, yeah. Sure, you know, there was other music obviously still happening then, but it was much harder to find. Them, like, yeah. I got a thought. I got a thought. So my thought, I know, I know spread the, spread the, the water. Full screen. Uh, well, 
my experience, I'm the oldest one on the podcast for sure. Yeah. As you guys know, I'm pretty old. So like, I remember like back in those days, like kind of like envying people that were older than me, like musically, like not like super older, but like, you know, people that dude, you grew up like in Jimmy, like, like I'd meet people that, yeah, I saw Jimi Hendrix, you know, in college and mm-hmm. you know, this and that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, for me, it was like, Oh dude, you like you, you grew up with rock and roll or the seventies or you grew up with like you know, Sabbath and Zeppelin or you grew up in the eighties with Ozzy and, you know, Van mm-hmm. Halen and mm-hmm. like whatever Maiden. You, oh, you saw yeah. Iron Maiden in 1981. Like, what the yeah. fuck? I was I wasn't even born yet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, and I, and I, again, I know it's cheesy, but it's like our generation. And then it was like everything after that. We're just like, no, <laughs> it's not as good. It's like shitty. But <laughs> but the thing is, like, I don't know. Like it. I mean, like music changed drastically with the internet. Mm-hmm. And then, like for that whole thing, so like I don't know. I, well, I, and also just music full screen, so this is driving me nuts. <laughs> but but I'm but like I don't know, you know, like making changed a lot too because back yeah. like, a lot of those early bands, it was this in person, much more organic thing where you didn't really have the same obvious like studio tools that you have now and there it was much less accessible so maybe that sort of influenced the nature of some of that music i guess what i'm trying to say is that i I, sorry sorry to interrupt again but i think the thing is like like kids these days like they 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 like look back on our music as like kind of shitty or something like they're like oh like nirvana and this and that it's like but what i'm trying to say is like at the time when i was their age i looked back on 10 20 whatever 30 years before me as like Dude, you guys grew up in like a sick time. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Do you guys remember that? So, yeah, yeah. I guess saw John like, Coltrane in person. Like, yeah, or even, the, the, yeah. yeah. So, so, we, we have that like yeah, dad too. thing in us where we're like, we're like, fuck yeah, the shit my dad showed me was awesome. And yeah. also, my new shit's awesome. That, you know, yeah. my generation's awesome. But then, and then you, there's a new the people. The new generations like, are like, your shit's. Well, that's like, they don't even say that shit's back now. They're totally saying hey we love your shit because every fucking song you hear on the radio is a sample of an older song that yeah. we listen to which is also a sample of an older song but i mean there's a lineage that. there's a lineage though like when you're listening to like nirvana i'm, I'm being super old dude i'm so old but yeah. listening to like nirvana or something you can like hear that lineage going back to the like 70s post-punk like or pure, whatever like post-rock whatever stupid whatever sabbath you can even hear that shit in nirvana i don't know sure. but i'm just saying like someone who's like listening to like fallout boy like ballad of Mo- or, or i mean uh or like you know whatever it's not fallout boy but whatever like some kind of band like that and it's yeah. like they, there's no lineage to that like, there is, there is, <laughs> there is <laughs> but not i mean i guess i'm maybe i'm a, i'm totally wrong but i'm just saying like but there that's like a separate thing because like i think it's because of like the technology and yeah. also the internet and like other things i think it's because of like the like yeah digital right. stuff too but the technology i think is part of it and and all of this but it's like they're, they're they're used to music as this like super processed thing with like perfect everything and then like like there's no like connection between like you know oh bob dylan and like off well there's no vocals inter- and like the coolness well, there of one, that, okay like, my well, thing is like there you know, was- between that and fallout boy it's my like, thing real no quick i just want to say you know? Is that there has to be a connection because we're having a resurgence of the '90s right now? There has to be a connection. 
I know, I know what there has to be a connection, but the, at the same time, what, what Casey's getting at is that like nowadays, a lot of the music is now there's so much like you know social media, whatever. Like people are like, oh, this is cool now, and it's like rather than someone finding that out on their own and listening to it and be like, oh, this song connects with me. It's like, oh, Frank Sanders says this is cool now, so I should now listen to this song because it's popular. Frank, Frank's a good friend of mine. I like him. <laughs> I don't know. But like it used to be like back like you listen to it and like during a time of like oh going through a a tough time in life where you're like ooh this song is the song you know yeah now it's they like have that too but why is the 90s still the thing well i think people still have a connection to like whatever current music they're listening to so like if you're in, in this modern age and say you're a teenage girl now and you listen to whatever that or whatever 10 years ago fallout boy whatever was the current thing you know like you're going to connect to that the same way you know but i but i feel like with the, like the change of the music with the internet like or the technology like with certain things like like it just took this like or like all all the stuff that we were like laughing about or whatever like the backstreet boys stuff and all that which, which has always been going on but like musically like like you mean the stuff that the sound that, plays on his off days that i yeah. love to play yeah <laughs> i mean dude i had to do that shit too i dude i played many many and many a pop tunes you know like for you know pit band shit like i understand too. <laughs> he listened to metal uphill both ways <laughs> in college i ax actually did have to walk uphill in both directions this so valley to get like from my dorm to the music building Hell yeah so technically, I actually did have to walk uphill in both directions. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, my thoughts on this: so I just got back from teaching at School of Rock, where I taught Nirvana like most of the day. Like uh -huh. it's like go to actual I think, today. I think we mostly remember the the good music from the past, and there was probably a ton of bullshit in the '60s that we don't sure. remember. A ton of bullshit in the '70s and whatever, like lollipop so, song and shit. Yeah, it wasn't like played stuff. constantly. You could like it was like yeah. it was picked, but yeah, anyways. And then um, the other thing is. It's weird, like that Fallout Boy, Sugar, we're going down song. That yeah, that song. I heard uh, that play at a bar, and it just fucking it went off, and I was like, dude, this is sick. Like these melodies are rad. Like this is a good song. Well, but for I us, we're fucking... thinking about the song, but not the vibe. Like they're yeah. thinking about the vibe. But it's like, oh, it's a, it's the thing about the the crowd of people around me, not the song. You know, it's like, a, oh, yeah. it's like an upbeat vibe to the the bar that it brings. It's know? interesting. The question about like whether there's like the same kind of lineage to that kind of like commercial yeah. pop rock and kind of like pop punk metal stuff like that's an interesting question like definitely hear the lineage of like nirvana coming out of you know all the stuff you were just mentioning and it's funny like is there something different about like you know the blink 182 and the skate punk scene like obviously they were influenced by like underground like hardcore punk a little bit mm -hmm. but it totally got filtered out at a certain point and it's like does that filtering and commercialization also mean you're like kind of losing the legacy that's like an interesting question so you can, you can speak it out yeah. way better than i can yeah no joseph i i think I'm you're making, no no joseph you're making a, <laughs> you're making a super good point like that's a really yeah. good point. and there were bands back in like our days growing up in the high school and i was like oh like good charlotte and all that and or blink even for me like even mm -hmm. though it's my hometown and all that and tom DeLong came to our high school at <laughs> but like and he was at Rock Academy one day. I walked out of the drum and he was standing right there. It's super funny, but oh. it's like a local thing, you know, San Diego. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I try to like, it's like, are we just old or are, uh, are, are Machine there, Gun the, Kelly is the fucking yeah, but it's like Zenith, dude. It's the, like, no, you might have not meant invented uh, metal, but he perfected like, it. <laughs> <laughs> Something. It, it, 
th- things get sealed off before we know it, you know, and then you become that old guy of like, I know. Well, when I was a kid, or well, it's just like we're know, just like we're these old these anchors. Days. We have these anchors that are just stuck yeah. in certain parts of time. Yeah. They're like, no, this is my time. This is the anchor, but the human it, that anchor. That shows that it happens at a certain to time everyone. in most people's lives, where it's it's in their early twenties to or early late teens, early twenties, where they have this moment in time where everything's like is set in stone they don't even realize it yeah most people don't change the like the things especially with the styles of music that they like like mid-30s from like the age of 18 whatever you like around that point that style right most of the time it doesn't change that is definitely the reference point at least And once you hit 30 your brain starts solidifying then you you gotta make decisions you can still make the decisions of am i gonna expand further into mm-hmm. other realms of do you that. think there's gonna be parents one day that show the, the kids like okay this is my, this is my music back in the day and they just play it well, island boy yeah have you guys seen the movie this is 40 with paul rudd and shit like uh, with all this allison change there's that one scene where he's like he's like this is real music like trying to show his like his kids yeah, you know, his yeah, daughters, yeah, yeah. and he's like putting on he puts on the, i think it's the rooster allison chains uh, and he's like yeah. dancing like yeah, like, you know, like this is all like they're like this is depressing. This is terrible. Like, <laughs> this shit, and know? that that's what it really is, dude. Being yeah. a father of three, and I already have one that's getting ready to be a teenager in a year or two. I I I feel that like I know that I'm an old guy now. Mm-hmm. I'm an old guy now. Like I try and be like, pay attention like to this, dude. <laughs> This Look is at the real shit. Understand but- this, and he's just like, "What the fuck are you doing, dude?" The only oh, okay here, I I will say here's my one reigning moment as a metal dad, where I have instilled something in him, which is the band Rhapsody. The well, band Rhapsody, random. My my oldest Trevor, <laughs> he loves the one album that the the Dragon cover album that which is probably they have more than one really good yeah. <laughs> the one that we've listened to on on the bloodletting and and that he calls it, it, he calls it, also. He calls it battle music dude he's like put on the battle music dude and i'm like all right let's battle dude does he uh, does he play a lot of video games like does he relate it to video oh hell games yeah dude all? he's all about fortnite and shit well dude and, and i'm sure uh, like a lot of us are kind of in the same position but like video games really help helped like disseminate a lot of music like some of my yeah exactly that's the one you know yeah um like the first time i ever heard growling ever was in flames um Mm, yeah i think it was maybe tony hawk it was three or four but it was the song embody the invisible yeah Um, fucking guitar uh, town on that shit that was the first time I ever heard it. And like, at first I didn't really like it. Cause I was like, what, what is he doing? It sounds weird. But then quickly pulled my head out of my ass and realized like, Oh no, that's fucking sick. Um, but like, you know, Primus less than Jake, a lot oh, yeah. of like, punk and other, like, I don't know if rancid was on there at all, but like a bunch of stuff like that. Um, I found out about through that game and the hip hop. There was a ton of sick fucking hip hop, like Jurassic Five and Ultron was on. Yeah, that. Jurassic yeah, Five. Story. Shout out, Good Life Cafe. What Here's up? a question. None of y'all know nothing. Oh, about here, that. here he goes. Here he goes. 
What me? <laughs> no, no, okay. No, so, I was gonna stop right there because oh, I knew the oh. professor had something to say. Um, so we're doing a grunge show at the School of Rock, and um, I remember just like talking to the the show director. I, he he mentioned he's like, yeah, I don't think there's any grunge bands that use double bass drumming, and I I've been thinking about it ever since. Can you think of a grunge band that played like a double bass kit or like you know use double bass in a song ever? And I was starting to realize, like, dude, no, like, 80s had, like, you know, heavy metal with the big double bass kits. And then suddenly in the 90s, I can't think of a single, like, archetypal grunge band or that would use yeah, double bass. Feel, like, MTV Unplugged, dude. That's the whole interesting. Thing. That's what fucking. Yeah, there was up, Nirvana dude. had double bass on the Unplugged thing. You, you didn't hear that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, it was like uh, double. You know, Dave Grohl actually had a double cajon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah. But, uh,. I mean, yeah, I mean, if, if you're thinking about like the traditional grunge bands, I can't think of nah, any. Maybe there can, like, yeah, if anyone can point me bands. Well, maybe you, have it, but I don't know. Your closest guess would probably be like Soundgarden, but they didn't do that. I mean, like Alice in Chains, it's all like single kick doubles. You know, God, look at the top. It's yeah, my mic is falling. I got to tighten this thing. There's never like a duka deka kind of. Yeah, No, definitely. I mean, that's no. There's definitely like a like a Judas Priest, you know, like rock double bass. That was kind of what they were pulling away from. I feel like, yeah, yeah, they were like anti. They're pulling away from the Montley crew. All the yeah reaction to the hair metal. But you guys have seen the pictures of the old Allison Chains, like with the. You know the mother love bone days and stuff and all the like, oh, yeah. like oh, yeah, glam yeah. like the you know crossover. Yeah, yeah. But dude, I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure that the first grunge hit of like the the real first grunge hit song was Man in the Box. I think was before Nevermind came out. I'm pretty sure that oh, really boxes. Yeah, that was like because facelift dude is like because Allison Chains is like old like you know they they were like in that scene with Mother Love Bone. And Are you shit. talking about but, like? A picture like that, yeah, dude, for oh, sure. Yeah, Lane or like just, or like Pantera, what they used the to look like. Oh yeah, yeah, Pantera. Yeah. Oh well, Pantera, yeah. Oh, that was yeah. Power metal days. That's different. So yeah. funny, yeah. <laughs> Seeing especially Phil Anselmo and like those guys looking like that. It's so goofy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I will wrong, say, power metal. Like, if you go back to so the good. power metal album, you'll actually see that it really is the bridge from that old Pantera sound into <laughs> Cowboys from Hell. There's yep. a few songs on there that where you're really like, oh shit, dude, they're finding they're you finding hear, that, yeah. that Cowboys from Hell style. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alright, so we're at, we're at three hours and 15 minutes. <laughs> we're just yeah. we're yeah. talk about grunge. We're at three hours and 15 minutes. It's only 115 <laughs> for me, man. I've got another good three or four hours in me. I'm I'm great. <laughs> yeah, dude, I don't know. Like as far as the crossover styles in the 90s of bands at the double bass, I mean industrial kind of had like like you know, like like ministry and nine snails a little bit had some of that, like you know, like double bass. Of course, Prince had double bass, like, but it's not like metal. Um, yeah. But of course, obviously metal, like there was thrash and obviously, you know, Judas Priest, you know, and, and bands that was doing it in the seventies and shit. Yeah. Um, but like grunge. Yeah, dude, it's just not like gr- grunge is too like slow and 
heroin yeah. out for double bass. It's <laughs> yeah, not H and grunge. It's too, you can't right. double. You can play double bass and you're all like on heroin. It's not going to work. It's yeah, like, that's not like, even going to be in the. It's not even going to be in the. <laughs> like it happened. Of possibilities. Yeah. You're just like, you why would we need to double bass? bass drum so that you could, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. just like, yeah, you sell, sell the other bass drum. <laughs> that's why you don't have a big kit because you're Jesus just having sell the other bass drums and start to dwindle away. Shut up with the snare drum, man. That's all I got. <laughs> that's exactly like i got a microphone I'll, I'll do the oh my god i'll do the i'll do the, <laughs> I'll do the drums with my mouth but that's the mtv unplugged era no that was it it's too good <laughs> yeah we should we should, we should wrap shit up so you're so alex your next tour is the malignancy tour with defeated sanity yep and then you are doing but, the obscura yes. tour after that next year yeah so we, we're doing seventy thousand tons at the beginning of february and then I'll be home for about a week and then I'll leave for uh, that uh, tour with Flesh God Apocalypse. God damn, that's going to be fun. Well, that Malignancy Defeated show, I I want to be at very badly. So I'm going to be there. Is that going to be Santa Cruz? Yeah, yeah. It's, okay. it's an hour south of me. So I really want to make it to it. I've played the Blue Lagoon. I've been to Blue Lagoon. It's, it's, it's a staple for uh santa cruz scene so yeah i've only ever played the the catalyst before it's yeah, not a bit uh, i saw not, you over at it's the... not a super big venue but you guys are gonna do good killer <laughs> <laughs> and uh i will see you at the very first show on that tour which is at um chain reaction in anaheim oh okay killer yep yep Shit. yeah is chain reaction still there i thought it closed down it's still there it's still there I hope it's still there because I'm supposed to be playing a gig there. <laughs> I remember like, that, was like a, that was a very legendary v- uh, venue there. I think it's it's no longer uh, like all ages, no alcohol. I think they allow drink. They have a bar and they have alcohol for sale there now. So, tight. oh, that's, that's um, weird. That it or it might a- still be all ages, but yeah, I think they sell. Oh, they have alcohol for sale. Animosity oh. there back in the day. Anyways, yeah, yeah but yeah, dude, this chain chain reaction on the flyer. So I'm assuming that's what it's uh, what it's gonna be. So Thank should God. people should people like swoop by your uh, the Svengali or exist uh, band camps and check some shit out, get some merch and stuff? Yeah, I mean you can find links to basically everything. You know, like all my different links. I have a link tree thing uh, in my Instagram bio that you can basically get links to everything from sure. you know like the nice. Svengali Bandcamp, exist Bandcamp. Like I have a personal website. We didn't um, even talk about your base company, dude. Oh well, that's the base company. That's a whole other can. I build my own electric bases. Oh um, my god, that's sick. But uh, yeah, why here, did I'll... you say it at the top, dude? Well, I know that's your fault. I'm not going to bed yet. I don't know. You guys this is like the main one. Yeah, zoom in, I... zoom in, zoom in. Whoa, dude! Why are we not zooming it? Right. Oh, you got that beautiful. nice fuck. Oh, sick. Yeah. So this was the 14th <laughs> one that I built. I think. Whoa. Yeah. So a little show and tell right now. Um, I'd slap it but uh, yeah exactly but yeah so i i do it more of uh as a hobby than as like something i'm really trying to turn into a company you know like yeah that i've been playing with uh okay, dude. yeah it's, dude it's, i saw that i saw you play that live that was so incredible yeah um nice. but uh yeah so i uh it, i kind of do it more as a hobby than trying to turn it into a uh full company just because dude it takes so much time to build so you made you made those bases though literally from scratch yeah uh, what, dude? 
Yeah, I did. I mean, mm-hmm. I obviously didn't build the pickups and the hardware and everything, but like I like started the bases from planks of wood. Like I'll show you a picture of what that base. What? That's crazy. I feel like like Joel's uh, so gonna I feel like Joel's gonna buy one at some point. So that's what that base basically started out as. What the fuck? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's so incredible. Like literally, man. I went to a lumber yard, bought that shit, and turned it into a base. So the truss rod, I have a question about. So installing yeah. a truss rod, do you have to glue it down somehow with like some sort of like a glue? You cut a little channel going down like the middle of the neck. Like I, I made yeah. a... Uh, a basically like a jig that i put my router in and it makes me cut a perfectly straight line with uh the router that you have to cut a channel into the neck insert the truss rod and then put the fingerboard on top of it but you want to make sure you don't get any glue in the truss rod channel because then that can seize the truss rod up like i back in the day like i broke a truss rod in a base and had to remove the fingerboard and like do all of that shit because i put too much glue down and yeah. glue had like seeped into the channel and like got inside Jesus. of the like the bolt in the truss rod. And I went to try to go loosen it up. <laughs> Unspecific yeah, exactly. <laughs> It's pretty specific, but that's all. Yeah, actually, know. it's super specific. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust myself <laughs> in that whole process for sure. It's one of the most specific things. I was ever. watching yeah. a uh, one of those, uh, the I forget that he's like a famous YouTuber, but he like what goes to Schechter and he's like, build me my guitar or whatever. And he like, it was something about the uh, trust rod where he's like, we put a little bit of glue in it. And I was like, what, why would you do that? Like, like yeah, that's supposedly weird. it just holds it in. He's like, why would you put glue? He's like, it's going to dissipate with the first turn. I, I don't know. It was a weird. It was, was, it, like, it was uh, Rob, like... Rob, no, Rob Scallion. Okay. Rob Scallion went to Schechter and I watched the full thing and they, oh, Rob Scallion, like, dude. Scallon, yeah, Scallion. I think it's Scallion. Speak Scallion or Scallion? It is. It is Scallion. Yeah. Scallion, bro. I'm Scallion for the for me. But uh, <laughs> so uh, that's kind of weird. I mean, and you're sure it was definitely glue because sometimes people will put uh, like a line of silicone at the bottom of it, basically to basically to lube up the truss rod to keep it. You know, no, it was something weird. I remember like watching it, going, huh. "Huh." My whole basis of like understanding the truss rod changed watching it but um i'll have to go look for that video because I'd, I'd be curious uh, i was like oh, well that's Did why i don't have a trust i'm looking at my keith merrow checker right here because <laughs> uh, i mean like i said i've broken a truss rod because of that so like you definitely don't want to get too much glue i break know? my truss rod at least once a day dude <laughs> oh man <laughs> i'm sorry you to break hear that. it why do you break it replacing those or not what's her name i'm very serious about my rotting <laughs> and all the trust that, like, uh, i don't trust what you're saying it's like the set of the hateful eight where they broke the 170 year old martin guitar without realizing oh, oh my god dude, that whole story is insane like the shock of the other actors in that scene is completely real because they know what the guitar is yeah like so like i don't remember who the woman was in the scene but her going like, ah! like that is actually <laughs> real yeah. in the moment like don't do that because this is like fucked up yeah 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 and now martin doesn't rent out any of their instruments <laughs> but also too to, to me that guitar is not worth that much i used to work at guitar center and there'd be like a, a, a 1956 strat and i'd play it and it's all sixty thousand dollars when i worked this is 2011 it's like yeah. 60 grand you so played a like, sixty thousand dollar instrument yeah i was playing it like this thing sucks <laughs> not all vintage instruments garbage really so I, what's this I, the year so, it's collectors it's collector stuff totally it's like a collector like i used thing. to work in a guitar repair shop and that's where i learned how to do all the building yeah. And so I worked in this big music store outside of DC called Chuck Levin's. And uh, 
the repair shop we had was pretty good. And we had a bunch of people that would, you know, bring in some pretty interesting instruments. And uh, like, for instance, there was one Gibson, it was a Gibson L5. So like a, you know, semi hollow, more like jazz kind of acoustic guitar that uh, this guy brought in. That was his uncle's. His uncle wanted to be a jazz guitarist in the fifties um, in New York, bailed on doing that went into refrigeration and because of knowing refrigeration, he knew about climate control and he loved the guitar. Oh, shit, so he, it was perfect he, shape. He took really good care of this guitar. And so when yeah. his uncle died, his aunt was just going to put this guitar out on a yard sale. She had no <laughs> idea what it was. Like wow. it, just was, it was the guitar. And so this guy was like, hold on a minute. Let me go check this out. They uh, got it appraised for $25,000. Because basically it was a brand new guitar from 1938. The yeah. only one that wasn't original was the tailpiece, but the tailpiece came from like the 50s. So essentially it was like <laughs> the original. But this yeah. guitar sounded and felt and played amazing. Like it was okay. really good because like it had been used, it had been taken care of. So like the wood does get used to its job after a while. Totally. It's more of like yeah. acoustic but I've also played instruments that suck. Like I played this 1966 P bass that basically lived its entire life in a case. And I took it out. Like there weren't even any scratches on the pit guard. Like literally yeah, yeah. like this unplayed, unplayed brand new instrument from 1966. Yeah, yeah. It felt like shit. It didn't sound that good. Cause either like it just hadn't been used. So it wasn't, you know, the wood wasn't accustomed yeah. to vibrating like that, or it just wasn't like the neck wasn't properly taken care of. So it's like, Sure, that guitar was that bass was probably worth a ton of money, but it's like a status symbol. It's almost like I remember, like the we had that sixty thousand whatever thousand dollar guitar, and this dude just walks in, he's like, "Yeah, I'll buy it." Just bought bought it for sixty grand. Just like, yeah, like Mm -hmm. I need that. Like, like it was nothing. He's like, "Oh, fifty six strat." Yeah, I'll take it. Um, what kind of strings do you guys have? Do you guys have like a like? I was like, like, what the fuck? You're saying a sixty? What was the commission on that sale? I mean, I mean, I mean, for Guitar Center, it's probably like nine (laughs) dollars. Nothing, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Or like, so Chuck Levins had a uh, big connection to PRS because actually Paul Reed Smith used Mm -hmm. to work at Chuck Levins. He worked in the guitar repair shop there, and that's where he like kind of got his stuff started. Um, so, you know, they sell, they're like a licensed PRS dealer. They have a bunch of like really fancy, uh, PRS guitars. Like, have you ever seen the dragon PRS is the ones that have like these really intricate, like dragon inlays over the body and the fingerboard. Just Google uh, dragon PRS. I feel like I have. Yeah. yeah. They're wild. Like the, like the inlay jobs are amazing and they're like $30,000 or something like that. Yeah. yeah. They're just PRSs with fancy inlays. So it's basically just like an art piece. Damn. So like if you're going to buy that, you're not really buying it as like a performer. You're buying that as like a, art like piece. a collector. Yeah, as, as an art piece. It's like I, would, I wouldn't I yeah. would ever bring out a guitar like that onto a right. game. I wouldn't want it to get fucked up, you know? Yeah. So like a functional tool. Like, yeah, because you're like, yeah, it's like. I got my thirty thousand dollar guitar in the car. Let me go grab it. Like, you know, yeah. like your dad's like Elon Musk. The liability like, oh, at that point. This is a fifty thousand dollar nail clipper. It clips your nails so <laughs> yeah. well. So clean. Your signature it leaves in the rivets of your nail. That's <laughs> yeah, like, like, no, <laughs> it has like dinosaur eggs. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
like so yeah no there definitely is like a sort of collector's like but they'll they'll be the same thing for us i mean there's you know there's been times where i've uh, had the option to buy the uh nicole what's up nicole what up nicole Um, there's been times where like there's been the carrie king guitar from season the abyss that reverse headstock esp that got they got sued for and like i've seen that before and i'm like i need that guitar like that's That's a cool collector item though like that but it's 25 grand or you just collect only guitars that were sued over yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, like, it was, it's that yeah. old uh it's an explorer headstock. They reversed yeah, yeah. it, ESP did, and then Gibson sued them for it, and then Kerry King went to BC Rich in like two thousand or something. But it was like the certain kind of guitar when I w- was watching it, I was like as a little kid, I'm like, that's the guitar I need. That's what yeah. I want, you know. And it's and that's what for them, that's the same thing. They're watching that fifty six strat, they're like, Oh, that's that's it. That's Dude, the guitar. No. You know, think I'll, of how many guitar models have been made that have been sued over this. Like a bunch. There's like twenty. Oh yeah. Oh, every there's all all so the time. So many there's, models yeah, that yeah. people have been sued over. You know. Well, because like how many like different companies make like a Strat like instrument? Yeah. Yeah. Or things yeah. that are so similar. Oh, yeah. So it's like, like that's Strat. the most copied. Like that's people have kind of figured that one out pretty good. Or Les Paul, you know? or an Explorer. Yeah. Or, or Les Paul like too. V, yeah. Like yeah. All, all those things have like been there's. Some I don't know how they get around the patents or whatever, but there's some sort of like extra little yeah. thing they do. Those yeah. like a little Let's wider like a... for V, you know, it's like they Mine figure out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's no like last note at the end. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Imagine it's if like, you found out like yeah. that's a good percentage of these guitar companies' revenue is uh winning lawsuits against other makers that make similar guitars or some shit like that you oh, know no, the patents get ridiculous they get yeah. pretty gnarly you know yeah or maybe they have to like pay commissions to like or like some type of royalties to like yeah that owner it's hey, probably like a rite of passage like what once you get sued you've like made it does the sticker checker? make it what do you got there what is that does the sticker add to the valuation as long as it was Dean. put on when you bought the original base it's yeah, yeah. It been adjusted at all yeah it definitely does are you gonna play oh, some yeah. bass for us joseph is that what's going on as long as the bass player of cold chamber put it on before like <laughs> <laughs> the bass player of cold chamber it's the only yeah, bass i've ever bought probably the shittiest bass player in new metal you play some yeah, new yeah. metal for us dude <laughs> berber dang or what dude? Ooh, Ooh, baby. yeah do anything any i'm not plugged in so my uh my barber's name's uh Dan, so uh I call him uh Barber Dan, so it's Berber Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and Trevor goes to him too, so I'm like, Are you gonna Berber Dan? Like, yeah, I got a Berber Dan Berber Dan. <laughs> barber Dan. <laughs> yeah. All right, we should right. have an extra twenty minute bonus. Oh, Anthony's getting tired. <laughs> I am I gotta pit, I gotta race like a piss horse and work. Well, yeah, no, let's yeah. do it. Let's wrap it up, right. guys. I had a great time tonight, though. Right. Sure. Absolutely, man. It's that was a yeah. lot of fun. Thanks a lot, dude. No yeah. doubt. And we'll see uh, you in a month guys. or two, man. See you guys yeah, again, real quick. Send me a message or text me or something <laughs> before that just to remind me which shows you guys are going to be at. I'll try to remember. Right. It'll be easy, dude. It's the, first one, the first one and the last one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, first yeah. one and the last one. Nothing in between. <laughs> no, yeah. but we'll stay in touch for sure, Alex. Yeah. Um, battleforgecoffee.com battle thank you for reminding me yes sir i love my coffee so definitely yes it's very good coffee and uh they're the homies and dj flesh are uh 
doing it over there and and i'm sure they got some holiday deals over there so get over there right now Boom. And then, uh, whether it's it, fish or goat you'll and then uh professor let us know what, what is this pre-order deal we we plugged on the last two episodes sorry uh there will be new merch coming soon i yes. just have to do it but it'll be available soon that that full color <laughs> <laughs> i already i already rated and now you put that at the last second all right, all right that's who's it. you right who's you right uh murray murray just tells me what to rate it says go it's that's what's up goat versus fish uh shout out to jedi grind in the chat murray. aka murray fitzpatrick our longtime brother homie and uh yeah uh alex plug where you want people to go uh like i said i mean my <laughs> instagram page is kind of the main one the easiest one that that kind of has everything centralized but uh I think exist.bandcamp.com. Like, I think that is our Bandcamp page. Um, oh, yeah. I, I'd have to look at this. I like, I'm terrible with some of these links. I can never remember what all of them are because I've got a ton of them. But Just either follow way. Follow fucking Alec, Alec Weber. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alec, Alex, <laughs> Alex Webster. Alex Webster, dude. Fucking. Just type Alex it in. That's type it, it follow, in follow Instagram. Instagram. Alex Webster. And then, t- and then look at his link tree. Alex uh, wait, Weber. Sorry. And then go to his Instagram and then link tree. Follow him because he's a fucking badass motherfucker. He's going to be touring. He's going to be shredding in your face. And rock and roll McDonald's. And give a little Twitch love. (laughs) Give a little Twitch love to... uh... We were blasting those Wesley Willis tunes like the whole time. Oh, (laughs) my God. Suck a cheese dick is one of my... That's my favorite. Or Uh, then Morbid Angel. (laughs) Morbid Angel. There's good ones. (laughs) I was going to say, give a little uh, Twitch love to Nicole Papastavru. Hey, she said it right. Shredder. Yeah, yeah. I love Nicole. Chat with us right now. Super Shredder. Killing it on the Twitch game. Go check out her her, uh, channel. I don't know what it is off the dome, but there you go. Off the dizzle. I do like that. I'm going to say that more. Nicole Nicole Callius? Is it Nicole Callius? Is that what it is? Yeah. yeah, I mean, just oh, Cal- yeah, just Callius is your band, right? Cal- yeah, Callius, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Go check it Total out. And uh, I have to piss uh, really bad, so I'm cutting everyone uh, out. Yeah, totally, no, totally no right. I'm actually figuring know. out different it's ways to worse. Joel continue so the like show. <laughs> we toured for how many, dude? Just we ate Joel, so tell me what it's like right here when you became a bass player from being a guitar player. How'd that feel? It felt kind of like, uh, 